Tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman fighting a hippo. And what the hell is wrong with his face? Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome back, listeners. This is our 100th episode of Hops and Box Office Swaps, now presented by Wabam Entertainment. And tonight, in our second episode of the Hops and Heroic Flop series, we are covering perhaps the most controversial comic book movie of the last 20 years, maybe ever, Justice League. The utterly underwhelming, baffling, cobbled together, mishmash Frankenstein that tanked the DCU as we knew it and spawned a fan movement that was literally, well, out for justice. Listen, I'm going to quibble with tank the DCU because we still got Wonder Woman 84, Shazam, Aquaman, Aquaman, Aquaman. I mean, it was already shot. It, it tanked fair, it as it we knew it. So the yeah, plans I mean, they thought were going to come after this, which we'll touch on in a moment, they quickly ran over with the bus, backed over it, and ran over it again. I believe you mean the Batmobile. They ran over it with the Batmobile. So over hold it. on. Are we saying this is more controversial than Howard the Duck? Uh, yeah. Oh, it's no. longer than 20 yeah. years. I'm sorry. It's longer than 20 years. No, no, no. But still. Howard the Duck is not controversial yeah. at all. Everybody loves that movie. Well, the no. Cleveland is no place. Yeah. <laughs> so the sensitive duck. Anyway, quick side. We have an announcement of sorts on this podcast. We rarely do current films that are in theaters or have just been released. Aside from the quarantine specials we did at this exact time last year. Uh, that said, we wanted this to be our hundredth episode because. One, this movie's an incredibly interesting case study. Uh, Two, it opens the doors for us to cover the Snyder Cut here in a couple weeks. This episode will drop on March 12th. Of course, the Snyder Cut comes out March 18th, along with the mythical and real when it's useful Snyder Cut. We're going to do some other HBO Max specials, those being Godzilla vs. Kong, Mortal Kombat, and probably some other stuff down the road. So look forward to those as well. Come on, Suicide Squad by James Gunn. I'm actually really excited for that. Yeah. Throwing that to the side, uh, and before we cause millions in structural damage, uh, and more than likely anger a few fans of this theatrical cut, along with me are the model for the skull on Steppenwolf's belt, Captain Cash. Poorly rendered CGI skull. Yes. The PlayStation 2... uh... Oh, no, I, I meant my actual style. Oh, okay. They they yeah. actually, they did it on Steppenwolf's belt perfectly. Yes, yeah. That's what my head really looks like. <laughs> yeah, we've also got J.K. Simmons' Commissioner Gordon toupee, Chumsilla. Gary Oldman was better. Mm, that's debatable. <laughs> Gary Oldman never got pooped on in a prison show, so. And we've got uh, the thirstiest, <clears throat> I mean, hungriest reporter we know, Mayor McCheese. I will literally watch anything with Gail Godot in it. That's I would second that. <laughs> I mean, I watched Wonder Woman eighty four twice. So I never Gal finished Gadot it. And he reads just told the phone me book. 
I never finished it, and you just told me it's now for pay, so I don't think I'm going to circle yeah. back and catch the last 45 minutes no, of it. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. Just I enjoy what you saw. And lastly, we have a very special guest, uh, Mario Francisco Robles, the one of the founders of Revenge of the Fans, and the, the man who led me down the rabbit hole of what the <laughs> hell happened to this movie. Um <laughs> Because it was after the release of Justice League that I first discovered his blog and then his podcast. Because at that time, we all thought the Legion of Doom was coming. It never came. Mm -hmm. So why don't you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your podcast, and welcome, my friend. First of all, I just got to say it's awesome to finally be on the show and be on show 100. I remember when you mentioned this to me, like, I don't know two years ago in passing this idea i have this idea for a show where i talk about flops while drinking beer and calling it hops and box office flops and i'm like that sounds awesome do that and now i'm on show 100 so i want to just cheers you there so good yes, job there. long time coming too yeah and aside cheers from to that, that yes, indeed right and uh, aside from that yeah i've got the fanboy podcast it drops every friday there's both audio and a video format and when it comes to Justice League, yeah, uh, I've got a bit of a history with this because uh, about six months before, or Thunder God found me or whatever it was, uh, <laughs> you know, Thunder I Wizard. broke the story, Thunder Wizard, uh, I broke the story before The Hollywood Reporter did that Justice League was about to get majorly overhauled, that they were, you know, that the studio was getting ready to basically completely redo this movie and change it from Zack's vision. And that put me quite at odds with a lot of members of his fan base. And uh, so I have a very interesting sort of relationship with this movie and the road to getting the Snyder Cut released. Um, So yeah, I'm excited to talk about this with you guys. And quick plug for the fanboy. Uh, You should definitely listen to last week's episode with Bill Ramey from Batman on Film because they uh, discuss all that stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, it's it's nuts. I mean, it was. I remember reading that. I think I saw like your Twitter feed then, and I was in denial. Yeah. I was in total denial. I didn't think mm-hmm. they would do that. I thought they'd I mean, lighten it up. That they would. Yeah. yeah. You know, I thought they'd lighten it up. They'd they'd add a little bit more com- comedy, but I did not yeah. think they would do what it ended up becoming. So mm-hmm. just a total one eighty, a different movie practically. <laughs> so points of order you can find the show on twitter facebook and instagram at hops and bo flops you can find myself at writer tlk on twitter uh you can find uh the remaining members of the justice league captain cash where at c-a-p-t-c-a-s-h on most of your social media chumpzilla you can find me chilling with my mother box uh on twitter <laughs> at chumpzilla8 mother mother do you think uh, uh, and Mike Pence just hanging out with our mother box? Yeah. Just, just chilling. Do you think uh, the mother box's name is Martha? I oh, no. one of the mother boxes is definitely if it was one. Named Martha. If it was, they never would have let him steal it out of the parking lot. So no. it's 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 Martha, it's Estelle Getty, and it's Betty White. Guaranteed. There it is. Okay, that's fair. the ultimate mother boxes. Uh, Mary McCheese, where can people find you? I am on Twitter at nope. HBOF McCheese. And Mario. Yeah, you could find me at IDJ Weddings. And it's spelled just like that because my day job is IDJ Weddings. Who'd have guessed? <laughs>
So this movie is available to stream on HBO Max. Uh, I, you know, don't give them the numbers, please. Or if you shame bought it like I did, you can pop in your own copy. Mine will forever serve as a haunting reminder of that loser's denial I just mentioned I found myself in after my third theatrical viewing and looking at my dad, who I forced to see it. Like, it's, it's okay, right? It's not, it's not that bad. <laughs> it's cool. He's like, yeah, we sure. were going to get into it. It's yeah. not that bad. It is if you're good. expecting something totally different. Um, so tonight we're drinking Mapping Out the Multiverse, Hazy IPA from Surly Brewing Company. Because basically as a result of this movie's failure, the long and often winding road of the DCU began to take a more definitive and interesting shape. And that is the multiverse. Thank you, Jim Lee. The beer itself, 7.3 ABV. And according to their website, was brewed for this reality and that one and that one too. So, cheers, gentlemen. It's only three realities? Well, I'm sure there's more realities. I mean, it's not really a multiverse, probably should have more than three. Well, you know, never can tell, Jack. Well, listen. And I believe that is Surly Brewing, hailing from Minneapolis, Minnesota. That is right. They do make some excellent beers. As a former resident of the Great White North. How did the Thunderous Wizard the only one who can find it, and the rest of us are much closer to Minnesota? Well, true story, well, I could only get I'm this not. in individual cans. Like, I couldn't, like, Axeman, which I did for, or I picked for uh, Bullet to the Head. Bullet to the Head. You could get, like, they had, like, five other Surly beers, but this one was only in single cans. Now, so you had, to, you had to brown bag, like, four or five Lucy's to get you through? This one's got a pretty harsh flavor, so I would probably sit through... One and a half to two movies. It gets better as you drink more of it. Because you're getting drunker. But, yeah, I mean. <laughs> That's just science. Yeah. yeah. I don't read don't as well. Don't get too drunk that after pair of demons will smell your fear. Okay. Yeah. Oh, or God. Hear sirens. Whatever. So, let's break down the movie a little bit. Justice League was written and, and then rewritten and then rewritten by a whole host of people. Uh, this one seems like probably mostly Joss Whedon and Jeff Johns, uh, who, let's be honest, it's not really their fault. They had 55 days to get this thing into fighting shape, and it did not get into fighting shape. Uh, you know, their task was to reconfigure it into something more wholesome. Uh, I j- distinctly remember Jeff Johns saying hope and optimism a lot when he was still at the helm of DC Creative. Um, it's neither of their best works at all. Not even close. Um, you know, Joss Whedon may be an asshole, but he's made some good movies. And Jeff Johns has obviously written some very fantastic comments. Comics. It says it was directed by Zack Snyder. I will not dignify that bullshit here. It was most definitely not. Uh, this is Joss Whedon's movie, and it sucks because he had no time to finish it. Maybe it would be a little bit better if they pushed it, but they didn't. And we'll talk about that in a moment as well. I'm just saying, if I'm Josh Whedon, I get why. I get why I, I didn't want my name on this as I directed it. Well, it, was, it. it wasn't so much his choice as I think them fearing what turned out to be a backlash anyway. So, I will agree with Captain Cash on this. I think that's a coward's exit here. Because he knew, he's like, mm, this is half-baked. Can I just leave Zach's name on it? Cool. Cool. Well, here's an interesting thing. I'm reading this book about it now. Uh, Sean O'Connell's uh, released the Snyder Cut book. And he surmises that that 
opening uh, montage is basically him apologizing for how badly this thing turned out. Now that could just be <laughs> his own thoughts and certainly it, it sort of fits because you have the homeless guy with the I tried sign and the song really reeks of, listen, the the, the deck was stacked against me here. I did the best I could. Uh, sorry, but that's his thoughts. I don't know if that's true. I doubt that's in the movie. Uh, I mean, do we really need CGI fruit? This isn't uh, the second uh, Star Wars prequel. You know, I will say something about that opening. I do feel like Joss Whedon was trying to virtue signal a bit there, where he's trying to... I, I didn't see so much as him trying to apologize for the movie, but him trying to apologize for you know, Zack Snyder's previous efforts. Like He's trying to say, like, oh, yeah... We tried. The world's bleak and blah, blah, blah. That's not, that's not, that's the, the delineating point for Joss Whedon. He's like, I'm trying to move on beyond that. But I also think the slow motion fruit stand thing kind of aped the intro from Watchmen. So I almost feel like he was trying to, my personal opinion, this is just Chumpzilla on a soapbox here. I felt like that was Joss Whedon trying to blur the line there. He's trying to make a Zack Snyder-y scene, in my opinion. I have a slightly different take on the uh, introduction there. I think, uh, honestly, it's just a summarized version of what the first act was meant to be. The first act of the movie that even Zack Snyder wanted to make was a story of a world in chaos. This is a world where there's no longer a Superman to save everyone. So we need to show you a world where society is falling apart and, and you know, our heroes are beleaguered and, and, and they need Superman back. So I feel like he just tried to truncate what Snyder probably did in like 40 minutes. He's like, let's just put it in the opening credits, essentially. Like that that vibe of a world that's like things are not okay ever since Superman died. And that's the world I need the audience to know we're in right now. So yeah. I just see it kind of yeah, like I'm that. Yeah, I'm not necessarily disagreeing. Yeah, I'm yeah. not necessarily disagreeing. Yeah. I would think that makes the most sense. But, yeah, who knows? I guess yeah. we'll find out, right? <laughs> So this stars mm -hmm. Ben, uh, I was Batman, Affleck as, well, Batman, Henry Mustachegate Cavill as Superman, Gal Fourscore in Wonder Woman 84 as Wonder Woman, Ray, we stand with you, buddy, Fisher, I may only speak for myself, but I stand with him, uh, Jason, I'd really love to have a beer with that guy, Momoa, as Aquaman, Ezra, the perks of being a brunch goer, Miller as The Flash. Also someone I definitely don't want to have a beer with. You don't he try to choke slam me. <laughs> if you can't take out Ezra Miller, uh, I'm man who's wearing. I'm not worried Batman that I could take out right Ezra now. Miller. I'm worried he tried to choke slam me. <laughs> no, he's already tanked his own career. You'll be fine. Uh, Syrian, the king of the free folk, Hines is Steppenwolf, and Jeremy. I hope you enjoyed the tomatoes. Irons is Alfred. <laughs> so, I'd also like some respect for Syrian Hines for being Caesar in season yes. one of Rome. I mean, he gets mad respect. Great show. Uh, Great show. Now, we'll, we'll talk about what we're most looking forward to with the Snyder Cut later, but certainly his Steppenwolf in its entirety, him really getting to do the work that he did, I'm very much looking forward to that because he's a great, he has a great voice. He has a great command. Mm -hmm. And he's really reduced to a big nothing in this movie. Yeah, we, we'll talk about it as yeah. the plot goes on, but uh, Steppenwolf is not a character so much as yeah so much he's, as a haunting cgi creation <laughs> he says mother a lot 
Yeah. He's a plot device. He's like, I must plot now. Yeah. It, the plot he boom requires me to do in this. and out of wherever he needs to be for the sake of plot. It and whatever he does takes exactly as long as the plot needs him to do it. In you can yes. land right next to the mother box, but he's got to eat up some time before he steals it. Yeah. So the series of events that led to uh, this had been basically exhaustively covered. This is sort of the abridged version. Post BVS doesn't make a billion dollars, gets bad reviews. Studio panics. That movie's darker tone that did not resonate with the wider general audience and with a very vocal section of bloggers and fans. All right, so... They... Uh, I'm, I'm one of those. I, I hated BVS. Hated. Yes, we know. Well, now... Go now write about your the diary. Audience Leave knows. me alone. Uh, Everybody knows. Yeah. <laughs> so this led to Suicide Squad's dismantling, which I think is probably the most unfair consequence out of all that, uh, aside from the way they treated Zach. Like, David Ayer really got the shaft for not even being involved <laughs> in the movie. Uh so that gets constantly rewritten, reshoots, that movie tanks. Um, so it pro- actually did pretty good. It made like seven in the mid 700 yeah, million. Yeah. That's the funny thing. The reviews were terrible, but it actually made like a decent amount of money because the trailers did look more fun and, you know, it, it, it appealed for a broader audience. Super fun. They look like Guardians of the Galaxy, but for DC, which yeah. is funny because now James Gunn is here. Oh but my, they marketed it like a lighter, funnier sort of affair. And it made like $726 million on a budget that was like probably half of what they spent on BVS. So I think the studio was actually ended up pretty being pretty happy with Suicide Squad. They just wish the reviews had been better. Yeah. You know yeah. what happened with Suicide Squad? This is Katana. She's got my back. <laughs> I advise not getting killed by her. Her soul, her sword absorbs the souls of its victims. <laughs> hey. Here's all these characters just... with fancy splash graphics. Here's the guy we're going to kill. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I think the lesson we learned from that movie is that they should hire the guys to cut the trailers to direct the next movie. <laughs> Listen. Because those guys that cut the, the trailers nailed it. is going to be great. I have, yeah. I have yeah. a lot of hope for that. Oh, I think it's going to be yeah. very good, and they must know it's very good because otherwise we wouldn't be getting a show with John Cena already. Which oh, they're shooting I, now, I love and John Cena's the I man. I can't so. see it. Yeah, he's just nobody can. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's impressive that he's able to do that with just his voice and just zero physical presence. Truly, <laughs> a master so of his craft. It works though, but it's so weird. Yeah, he leans into the nothingness of his charisma. <laughs> he really. I mean, I I knew he was going to be a big star after the the movie where he beer bonged. In his butt, the butt chug, cock blockers. I was like, man, he's gonna be a star. <laughs> is that is the story circulating around um, him eating what was it an, an ungodly amount of like empanadas to get the yes. right take? Is that like true? Twenty eight? Is it twenty eight? Yes, 28. that's true. Yeah, but but for a dude that big, that's like dinner. <laughs> well, you know, they eat like chicken and rice. They don't eat deep fried, you know, foods and. and whatever else like 30 of them this is a total sidebar but on if you set see, like the if you see the rocks cheat days like that's about right but i don't sitting down to eat 30 empanadas i would I definitely eat, kill an average human mayor mccheese this feels like projection on your part how many empanadas <laughs> did you have today i will say if you guys want to pay for it i will see how many empanadas i can eat in one sitting we just need to set a time frame okay, okay. we're gonna start Let's set up a, a GoFundMe. yes we're gonna do a gofundme 
How many I'm empanadas in. can Mayor McCheese eat in one? I did. Seat? I I did when we were all in college together. Eat an entire chicken cordon bleu in one bite. So bring oh, on the empanadas. Yeah, let's. You know, gross. This, that's a little <laughs> that much like a for the listeners. Problem. Yeah, we'll do it live. We'll do it live on the pod. We'll see how many empanadas I can eat there in the pod. Speaking of bad ideas, uh, BVS came out in March 2016, and they were going to start filming Justice League in May. So the time they had to adjust was minimal. Uh, so they and, and honestly, that to me is the story, if I yeah. can just mention that. Like, listen, they were worried about BVS. There was test screenings in like January of that year. So they had a couple months to kind of get out in front of this and realize, oh, this movie is going to be polarizing and it's not, you know... They knew what was going on, which is why they started the rewriting process, because, yes, they were not going to have time to, like, do a full course correction. This was all going to be hastily done because between March 26th and, like like you said, in May, they were going to now go into principal photography in London with Justice League. And that's just insane because really what they needed to do there was delay. If they were really that worried about BVS and Zach's plans for Justice League, the logical thing to do there is delay. But instead, they did it all just like basically on the fly, on the go, hastily done to where Snyder is like filming both stuff that he wanted to film as well as rewritten scenes. And it's all happening simultaneously in the fall of 2016 i mean it's chaos if they should have just delayed right then and there if they were if they were really that worried yeah and uh, based on a recent interview with zach he basically said like i was going to shoot what i wanted to shoot and worry about fighting them over it later and then of course the, the tragedy happens and yeah then that's not the case because he just didn't have the energy and who could blame him but he essentially shot five hours of film he turns in this this a, you know this he trims that down he turns that cut in they deem it unwatchable uh, they tell him this thing has to be two hours which is honestly we know that some of these guys who were running the show at wb were not the brightest bulbs but that is ridiculous um i mean that was in direct reaction to everyone's complaints that bvs was like it felt like forever. Cause remember the yeah. theatrical cut was two and a half hours and everyone's like, this just feels bloated and overly long. So as a reaction to that, they're like, we want justice league to be short and sweet, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But there is like somewhat of a logic there because people were burnt out on how long BBS yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some value to keeping it snappy because like, I hate to say it, but you haven't really earned the three hour cut yet, you know, or the four hour cut yet. If you're the Snyder verse, like, you need to have a few movies under your belt before you can, you know, pull the Peter Jackson card or the Russo brothers card and have like the two and a half hour long Epic. And wow. I think, I think we just weren't there yet. People wanted some more snappy, you know, movies building to up to the characters. Yeah. Even more. Peter Jackson didn't earn the three hour card. I, as a lifelong King Kong fan, his three plus hour <laughs> King Kong is a bit, much and his I, hobbit movies are more than a bit much i literally hey. saw king kong in the theaters and i missed the first hour didn't even notice you would <laughs> yeah nothing happens so yeah. oh they're on the island awesome here comes kong this is great <laughs> so as uh so zach steps away the rumor is and, and mario could probably you know give us a better clarification but according to fabian wagner who was the cinematographer he estimates 
of what they shot is in the movie. Uh, it's clear like the beginning of action scenes are, are Zach's stuff and some of the beginning of scenes are his stuff. We're going to talk about all that because it's very clear when it's not. Because this thing is chock full of shitty ADR and uh, faces that are morphing in, in appearance and costumes and wigs. And it's just a mess on, on that side of it. So that said, Zach is now gone. Whedon is tasked with finishing the movie, making the same release date that was originally booked. All right, so now That's he's rude. staring down the barrel of reshooting the majority of this movie and making the same release date and redoing most of the CGI. Imagine that. It's May of 2017. This movie opens in six months, and it's the first ever Justice League movie, and the studio is saying, we want you to basically redo the whole thing now and go. You know, it's like an unbelievable situation to be in. <laughs> you know how they would have done this in the 90s? A truck cocaine? full of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody sleeps until this thing is wrapped. They would literally, the studio would back it in and dump it on the lot and be like, you guys got 60 days, get it. <laughs> and that's how you get Tom Sizemore as Steppenwolf. <laughs> we replaced everybody with who? The biggest Tom druggies Sizemore. we know. <laughs> who could hold their coke? They're yeah. in. <laughs> so so Gary Busey is now Superman. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Nick Nolte is Cyborg. Yeah. <laughs> How much time would they spend having to edit out the red eyes from everybody who's just jittery and shaking? Like, yeah. where's Wonder Woman? <laughs> that would have taken about as much time as it took to get rid of Superman's mustache. Hey, what's Van so Damme doing? Do you think he can come in and play as the Flash? <laughs> Is he busy? Oh, shit. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> no offense, oh. JCVD, but you've admitted yeah, we to love it. Your brother. Uh, so the biggest, like, the most embarrassing thing about all this and keeping the release date is it's all because Sujihara and Toby Emmerich wanted to make their bonuses. AT&T had just bought Warner Brothers. They said, well, if we're not here next year, we won't get our bonuses, so we better get this movie out. Yeah. Gross. So, that was according to what? That was the, the Ben Fritz article, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, Wall Street Journal, I think. Yeah. Yeah. In Thunderous Wizard, I think we might have glossed over this, but before Zack Snyder even departed production... WB already had spies and babysitters on the ground. They had people there keeping tabs on Zach because they sort of wanted to steer him in certain directions. So even before he departed the project, they'd already nixed some of his ideas. Yeah, yeah Jeff Johns yeah. and John Berg were on the set for that fall of 2016 during the initial principal photography. So yes, there were definitely, there was some extra hand-holding that was going on during that point. And then even then, and I, I think that's one of the other reasons that Snyder got so frustrated because here he was playing ball with the studio, letting them completely overhaul his vision on the fly in a slapdash sort of way. Then he screens in February of 2017, like a compromised cut where he's meeting them in the middle and then they still don't like it. Yep. And then a month later is where the tragedy with Autumn happened. And amidst that, it's just like, you know what, guys, just take the damn thing. You know what yeah. I mean? I can't do this. I'm anymore. out. I'm out. You know, because, yeah, they were all over him throughout the entire production of this. No, I will say this. I haven't done nearly as thorough of research as you <clears throat> and the Thunderous Wizard have done. But I did read an article where they mentioned that Snyder wanted to have an angle where Bruce fell in love with Lois Lane mm -hmm. uh, while they were talking about bringing, you know, soups back and all that. 
And of course, Bruce decides that that's a bad idea in the end because it is. Um, but they talked Zach out of that. Like, yeah, no, we're not, we're not doing that. And so I will say this is awful as all the studio interference is, and it probably hurt the project in the end. They did probably steer Zach away from a couple of ideas that weren't great. So it wasn't all bad, but I'd say it was probably 95% bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, that's a dumb idea, but there's a lot of dumb ideas in some of these comic book movies. So, so to be clear, Batman not only let Superman's mom lose her house, he's now <laughs> banging his wife. Yep. Batman seems like a real great guy. Definitely it, someone okay. I, I, yes. I want to hang out with. And, and, and I just want to say here, too, that's one of the biggest problems I have with this movie is that he knows who Ma Kent is. That Bruce Wayne knows who he Ma Kent whole... is. He had a and, whole Martha and, thing, and, and and they he doesn't bother to make sure she's okay after her son dies, and it's only after the fact he's like, oh yeah, after she's in foreclosure, oh then I helped her out. Like I kind of feel like that should have like gotten taken care of on the front end, Bruce. Oh yeah. P.S. Listener, <laughs> as we're going through all this, I want you to know that Captain Cash is dressed up as Batman. <laughs> I, I definitely have the cowl on and a bat shirt. That is full of the various. Uh, it's it's a bat shirt from Japan. My this man. is called the various samurai emblems on it. Do, do this I is what we call. Goggles? This is what we call projecting. Giant nerd. <laughs> Giant nerd. So, so be honest, so I hate basically Batman. What Captain Cash <laughs> is telling us, audience, is that he's got a huge crush on Diane Lane. Uh, <laughs> she's my crush, and he can't have her. Uh, so back to Toby Emmerich. He promised we're gonna carry on Zach's vision and this is all connective tissue and this that and the other he's a liar everybody knows that now <laughs> I should have been more hip to it I swore we were going to get the sequel I thought we were getting and then they replaced Junkie XL with Danny Elfman I, and I love Danny Elfman but I'm like huh his music doesn't really fit this vibe no it's cool it's cool everything will be fine anyways all this backfired the meddling everything at the time of its release Justice League was the lowest opening for a DCU movie, 93 plus million. It went on to gross 657.9 million, also the lowest at the time. Uh, its production budget was 300, uh, but that ballooned because of all the reshoots. And its estimated break-even point was like 750 million, so it lost around 60 million according to Deadline Hollywood. It was a failure, and it it had a ripple effect. Critics also said, "Hey, like." Sure, this is supposed to be more fun, but it's not fun. So they, they still hated it. And it was 40% with 395 reviews, which this always boggles my mind when you get these big movies and they've got like triple the reviews of any other movie. It's like, how many of these people are really critics? I'm not sure anymore. Uh, users liked it, 71%, but they didn't show up to it, so I don't get it. Well, <laughs> yeah. it's funny you mentioned the not showing up thing. Because in all honesty, and this is going to be a harsh take for you, uh, Thunderous Wizard. I know you love your Zack Snyder. But there's an interesting thing that you got to realize here. A movie doesn't open low because it's a bad movie. A movie opens low because people aren't interested in it. And the only promotion of this movie that was done was this is Zack Snyder's Justice League. This is the continuation of BVS. If you like the BVS story, 
Here's more BVS for you. Remember, they didn't include any of the Whedon stuff in the trailers. And nobody outside of like hardcore nerds on Twitter who follow, who believe unknown bloggers about scoops, nobody really knew the full extent of what had happened there. So it opened low because just no one showed up. They saw the trailers loaded with Snyder's footage. They knew it was the continuation of BVS. And they said, I'm good. So that's the thing that people like, had it opened huge, and then dropped in weekend two, then you blame the movie. It opens low, that means there was just no interest. And the real question is, how could there be so little interest in a Justice League movie? I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the mustache stuff was out there, and there there was other things out there. And I, I mean, there was like little rumors, yeah. but the grand perception was... And remember, the actor said it, the executive said it, the producer said it. Everyone said, this is Zach's movie. This is Zach's movie. We did a couple of reshoots. We didn't, didn't really do anything. It wasn't until after it came out that people realized, oh, we got robbed. But only 93 million worth of people even had that feeling because no one showed up. Yeah. So that is kind of the bigger story. You know, I just had to put that out there. because I know we want to blame this movie, but... Nobody showed up to even judge this movie on opening week on opening weekend. Just wanted to you put know, that out. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's fair because I do think that the reception to BVS did hurt the hype for this movie because I think the casual comic book movie fan wasn't as excited because BVS was sort of a dud, you know. And I think one of the things this movie lacks was a clear cut, like hook there wasn't like a hey we there's something coming we need to see what comes next because it was already obvious based on the marketing material that superman comes back so the fact that superman gets resurrected wasn't a hook no one was curious how that was going to happen it was it was already a foregone conclusion it was weird to me that it they kept the superman resurrection completely out of the trailers like, I feel like DC maybe sort of learned their lesson from showing Doomsday in the trailers, but at the same time to remove the fact that, hey, or or at least maybe hint a little bit more that, hey, Superman's coming back. It's going to be cool. They, they pretend like, oh, Superman's gone. He's not coming back. It's over. We have to figure this out. And it's but like the tagline was Unite the Seven. It was in the marketing material. It's clear that he came back. All right. All that's fair. Now, how would you describe this movie in one sentence? We'll begin with our guest. Mario. <laughs> uh, I think in one sentence, Jesus Christ, you know, I, I'm not good with concise. <laughs> Already my answers here have been like several paragraphs. But let's see. Um, one sentence for the theatrical cut of Justice League. It is a bland movie that is forgettable and yet much better than it has any right to be considering the way it was created. There you go. Okay. Uh, Chumzilla. Zack Snyder presents Jostash League. <laughs> <laughs> and and to be fair, we need you to imagine how that's spelled. Jostash yeah. League. That, like that is J-O-S-S hyphen S-T-A-C-H-E. Jostash League. All right, Mayor McCheese. Mary Shelley's Justice League. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> oh, shots uh, fired. That shots works. Fired. Uh, that works. Captain Cash. 
the saltine of superhero movies. It's flavorless, goes down easy, but 20 minutes later, you kind of wonder what happened. Yeah. Did you eat anything at all? And you can totally eat it if you have the flu. So That's true. I will describe it as Henry Cavill and the no good, very bad, horrible CGI removed mustache. I Listen, it is... It is really immediately noticeable, especially when the first the first shot is that face. You're like, oh no, oh I mean, no. I mean, you guys, you guys know I'm not I'm not a huge comic book nerd, etc. So when Thunder's Wizard told me I I need to go see this, that first shot I was like, the fuck's wrong with his face? <laughs> and then I finally like texted him. He's like, oh yeah, there's a bunch of stuff I have to tell you. <laughs> So, what movie has the worst CGI? Uh, Superman's upper lip or the domino mask from Green Lantern? Uh, Quickfire. Lip. It's the lip. Henry Cavill's like one of the most handsome people I've ever seen. And he turns—he looks like an abomination <laughs> in that first scene. I mean, I know that I, I got secondhand embarrassment just watching it like when the when the credits yeah like when it begins and we see his face i was sitting in the theater like oh my like somebody let this out like the entire yeah. studio must be embarrassed right now they someone <laughs> so they must have put the wrong reel in the projector no yeah, somebody this, screwed up this must be the work print <laughs> yeah i'm like some like i i felt embarrassment for whoever let this happen yeah. because of how the face is but i got to say as unfortunate as that damn upper lip is, I like almost everything that he's written to say in this movie. And I agree. Like to me, it's a shame that his face looks so bad because I like his, how he sounds and I like the way Henry yeah. acts him out in this movie. He, he's a solid Superman, and I mean, I'm, the Thunderous Wizards heard me say this a million times, so you know I'm going to say it again. Though Zack Snyder doesn't get Superman. Joss Whedon did a better job with Superman's dialogue because he, he actually made a character that seemed more, uh, again, hopeful and positive and like more of the Superman we wanted. As cheesy as that is, I know we don't want to go back to Superman Returns, but still, like I like hopeful, you know, fighting for justice in the American way Superman as I opposed mean, to mopey hobo Superman. Yeah, fuck, gee Superman? Like, oh, gosh. I'm I'm just here to help out. That's what Superman is. That's why Superman and Lois work so well. It, well. Like when he shows up and he's like, hey, friend, here's your hat. I like your suit. Yeah, my mom made it for me. Flies away. That's, That's fucking what he great. is. He's That's a nice Superman. country boy from Kansas. It's fun. Yeah, exactly. He's a bit Superman's of a dork. corny as shit. That's well, fine. I think one of the biggest superpowers that Superman has that goes completely underrated is that he is a superhero that can literally save a cat out of a tree in a movie. And it like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, he like, do that. I, yes. That's not even cheesy. That's that's what that's what Superman okay. does. He All sees right. a little girl with a cat in a tree and he helps. Because he's a nice guy. You guys bring up valid points. You can you can do this. You can also <laughs> make this comparison when we talk about the Snyder Cut. Uh, yeah, okay. Because he is he's I, I like what he did with Superman. Um I, I enjoyed that. The movie itself I don't necessarily enjoy but the actual description from imdb is fueled by his restored faith in humanity and inspired by superman's selfless act bruce wayne enlists the help of his newfound ally diana prince who joss whedon really didn't get how to write that dynamic to face an even greater enemy uh so let's get to the plot and i do have questions 
throughout this plot. Uh, we open with Batman tracking a cat burglar and using his fear to lure a parademon to him. This blows up in his face, literally. Now here's my first aside. The scene was apparently meant to be more funny. Whedon preferred a comical tone. The studio said, no, we can't, we can't just go all in on the slapstick yet. <laughs> and he later sent apparently a bottle of champagne to Colt McElhaney and was like, to battles lost. If they open this in a slapsticky way, I may have just left the theater. Like, the face was bad enough, but I held on because I was like, ah, oh, but it's Superman. I love Superman. But if this opened on, like, a Benny Hill skit, I might have just been like, nope, that's it. See you later. What do yeah, you guys hold think? On. Hold on. I'm okay with that scene if they go full slapstick, but they play yakety sax over top of it. Then it's cool. <laughs> I mean, but, I love but, that opening scene. I think it looks very Batman-y. It looks, you know, I, I think it's a cool scene, but it also, like, it is still a little goofy. And it, is. it looks like it's on a set. It looks like a soundstage. It does. And it looks like a much more stylized Gotham than we saw in BVS. It almost looks like they, they, they repurposed a set from Tim Burton's Batman. Yes. You yeah, know, no, so it just it, it was very it was it, you know, to your point, it was very melodramatic in its backdrop. It looks like your film noir, you know, Gotham City, not modern yeah. Gotham City, which right away reveals a clash from what this movie was and yeah. what it was supposed to be. Now, I, let me ask you two a question, because you guys are two, the two resident experts. One thing that really stuck out to me about the opening of this movie, especially watching it in theaters, this is something I saw or recognized on the first viewing. Right. It was the the difference between that Superman opening scene and this Batman scene. Like you get this like hopeful kind of lighthearted opening scene where you get like the charmingly befuddled Superman and it goes straight to darkest night of Gotham City and Batman's on the rooftop sort of threatening to murder a, a you know low tier criminal. And I'm just like, whoa, okay, wait, what's going on here? It's a little bit of like tonal whiplash. I'm like, whoa, okay, well, what's this movie doing? The biggest thing it shows you is the movie has no idea what it's doing. Because it's just like, oh, I lure them by fear. Well, you lure what? We don't know what you're luring. So where? Do, how do we get to this point? And then the criminal's hopping around like an asshole in the background. It's because he's gone. It's like, so this idiot who's stealing silverware from an apartment knows that the aliens are invading because Superman's dead. Why is he the smartest character? Yeah, so I will say that this this scene, it's not the first scene, but it's the immediate second scene, is doing a lot of heavy lifting as far as setting up what draws the parademons in, why are the mm -hmm. parademons here, what are the mother boxes? Because when the parademon explodes, it leaves the impression of the three boxes. Like there, there's a they're lot setting up here. everything. Yeah, where yeah. you can tell they're like, look, we've got to tie this together. You've got five minutes to do it. Uh, fuck, we have to hit parademons. We have to hit that they're they're controlled by fear. We have to hit the fact that they're only here because Superman is gone. We have to hit the fact that Batman is bummed the fuck out, but he knows something is going on. Yeah. Uh, and they, we have to give something for Batman to be a lead on go. You have to have a Batman scene or something early in the movie to, to whatever. But 
I think the most important thing there is when he he converses with Alfred and you get Jeremy Irons going through Lex Luthor's notes. And I'm like, oh, okay, they have like they have notes from Lex. Like, I think a better scene would have just been like Bruce going over those notes and have the exposition dump kind of come academically. I think the way they forced into that action scene, you end up with more questions, and then they quickly answer them with the notes, sort of. You're like, okay, so there's a thing. Okay, there's a thing I need to be, be aware of now. Okay. Yeah, listen, we, we just did Green Lantern. You know how to really rock your superhero movie? Start with an exposition dump. Oh, a narration. <laughs> yeah, it. tons of narration. Well, here's, here's the thing. Uh, you two just put more thought into this scene than the people rewriting the movie. Uh, and oh, see, I disagree. I, I I'm sorry. And I'm not. Th- th- it's very strategic what he's doing. He's using a brief scene to establish all of the key points. He's just agreed. Literally, it, you know, he's like, yeah. "How can I get this across in a quick amount of time?" And I think he gives you everything. As soon as that scene's over, what do you know? You know everything you're going to need to know that's, for the that's rest. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I just so in saying that, if it was goofier, it doesn't work at all. If you turn it into a big goof yeah. fest, and that's like, oh, so there's no stakes to this movie because now we're having a goofy scene that's supposed to be of fairly monumental importance. But yeah, but I, it's so, but so far everything has a purpose. I'm sorry because it, it came up before about the tonal clash between the two scenes. Yeah. But everything has a subtext. The first scene is there to establish Superman is dead. He was a good guy. People loved him, and now they're going to miss him because he's gone. Yeah, now, children loved him. Wor- children. children loved him. Yes, children loved him. People looked up to him. He had people who admired him, and now he's gone. Now the credits show. Look, here's the world without him. Look, everything sucks now. Now, here's Batman, and we're going to hit the ground running. Here's Batman catching us up on what's going to ha- what this story is about. The, you know what I mean? I feel like yeah. everything actually has an exact reason oh, for being there. Oh, it's totally trying to rush through the plot. My, and, and I'll just I'm going to take a big crap on the story here. So Thunder's Wizard, I apologize, but I, I find it very entertaining. They try to convince us that the world has gone to total crap. In in just like you know the short amount of time since Superman died, considering Superman had only been there for like maybe three years, mm-hmm. so it's it's like so wait a minute, hold on, he's been here for three years. He literally he defeated Zod, and think, nothing else really changed in months. the world. Maybe even eight, eight, eight yeah. months. So yeah, so I mean, it's just like so you've taken Superman off the board. So how bummed out can the population be? Unless they're like just super concerned about the next Zod showing up, and and and, and, and no no Zod and Doomsday. Sorry. Well, right, moving on. Same guy. You're though. sort of you're overlooking the fact that the big thing in Batman versus Superman is that we're living in a very polarized place, and despite all the good he's doing, you still have a bunch of frothing nutbags showing up to the Capitol to tell him to go home because they don't want him here, which. Huh, it doesn't seem like something that would happen. But mm-hmm. anyways, um, the biggest thing for me is, yes, this is all building, but it opens with this scene that looks so bad that it immediately takes you out of the movie. Well, of but, course, it's the CG that's bad, not yeah. the writing. So it's sort of like, what the hell is happening here? Why is yeah. this shot on a, on a weird cell phone camera? And then it goes on. And so he, I will say the first hour of this movie i think holds up very well but we got to get back to the plot back to the plot i I just want to say the like i agree 
the CGI is not good, the color grading is terrible, but the one shot where Batman appears to be a gargoyle, I was like, oh, hey, <laughs> yeah. that was kind of clever. I like yeah, that. that was great. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, there's there's things to appreciate that are going on around. here. Yeah, no, the, the backflip shot, I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. So he does this fear thing, jokey jokes between Alfred, who, by the way, I, was, I think the only guy who wasn't phoning in the reshoots was Alfred. I think he really was like, no, I'm a professional. I come to play. Uh, Iron gives a hundred. He doesn't look exhausted. He doesn't look pissed off. He's just doing the th- He's doing whatever they tell him to do and nailing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. He and Bruce are scouting for the rest of the meta humans uh, who we learned toward the end of BBS through the, the videos. Uh, we got to go find these guys. Bruce heads to what is actually Iceland. To find the mysterious fish masters, you called him via text earlier. Waterman, uh, Merrick G is Waterman. Aquaman's not bad, but he could be Waterman or Seaman. Yeah, Waterman. Waterman, <laughs> Waterman, what a mighty, mighty, mighty good man. Yeah, so that's Arthur what? Curry, of course. Like any sane individual, Curry tells him to uh, bugger off because why am I going to help you? Guy whose face keeps changing in shape and tan. No, thank you. <laughs> My biggest problem with this scene is they have this whole, like, he's a mythic guy who comes on the king tide. And literally on the fucking wall of the bar well, is okay. a drawing of, a so, drawing so, of Jason so, Momoa holding a fish <laughs> in the air. That's After that's playing this shoot, movie yeah. like that... four times, I, I think it's clear that, that Bruce suspects who he is. And then when he sees the picture, he knows. And that's what... That's what sparks the. He kind of calls him out. He for saw it. a video. That's why this is all so stupid. He's trying to like lure yeah. him out, but this movie has to be so on the nose that the reshoots painted him holding a fish on the wall. Yeah. But this how could do we, all... do we know if that's Whedon or Snyder? It's got to be Whedon. Only because yeah, his face changed. So Whedon. This could only. This could only know. been. Snyder's gonna... not known for his subtlety. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, this could I, have only been dumber if we got a Wayne's World cut where one of the people in the bar is like, "Hey, if Aquaman says he's not Aquaman, you leave him alone." Yeah. <laughs> I, no, I would have liked that better. That would have made this scene a hundred percent better. Oh, even the extras change from like cut to cut. I, I, I enjoy when when Momoa calls him out like, huh, "Dress like a bat, huh?" So Batman clearly doesn't give a shit about a secret identity because he's clearly just divulged it to this entire fishing village. Uh, you're missing the larger point about the DCU. Nobody cares about anybody's secret identities. Lois calls him Clark every time she sees him, which still drives me nuts. He calls him Clark. It's like, yeah. guys, come on. Where, where, where's the what, what, superhero what about, what about the glamour effect? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's terrible. Right, so... It's all terrible. <laughs> this is, I mean, this is the real first example of, of, I think that's really jarring and, and where I was like, oh no, things are really bad. It's because the, the reshoots are, they're not woven seamlessly. If you're going to reshoot a scene, it can't be from frame to frame. Like Ben Affleck can't look like he did in the trailer and then look different and have a different hairstyle two seconds later. I honestly don't notice in this, in this set. Yeah. Oh, I'm so jealous of you. Yeah. No, I, I, I just watched this two days ago, yeah. and it's amazing. It's like his face, they cuts away, and when it comes back, it's a different face. Yeah. Goes to Momoa, 
different face. Ghost of Momoa, different face. Different it's face. like insane. It goes back from weed and cider. It just trades back and forth, depending on the line it's saying. My big thing about that is it's so noticeable. What Was it really worth it to do that? Or couldn't you just frame it a different way so you don't see it? Because they do that with the Flash later, where he they ADR the whole stupid... Uh, there, there's like lines upon lines that he didn't say and it's clear yeah. because they just have ben affleck poor ben affleck who is like responding and it's obviously just like not what's being said floating around the set for this movie yeah ben affleck. and then it goes to the brunch thing and then he's like oh but people are too slow and then it goes back to him it's not him again it's like why like just don't put this in you only have two hours just fill it with something else i don't know you know, I, I I think just to jump forward, I think the most useless scene in this movie, in my opinion, is the Flash uh, talking to his dad in jail. Yep. Who, well, who that's cares? because they were setting up Flashpoint. Yeah, well, but, I mean, I but you don't need it in this movie. Like it just, but what, why does it come up again? No. Well, somebody had get character Manhattan, development. So, so. The, the the scene with the scene with Bruce was enough, but having the cop, having having the cop or the corrections officer on the take alerting Bruce to when Barry well, shows up. That whole, oh, that's a why. reshoot. So why? Yeah, but why? That's, exactly. No. Hey, Joss Whedon. Why? There's a lot of whys because, you know, like this I'm, I'm glad the they included line. Mark McClure. No, but... you didn't have to see Aquaman go talk to his dad in Atlantis and have one of the Atlanteans, you know, ping him to Bruce. I mean, he could have just showed up at his, well, no, he knew he showed up on the King Tide, though, and then he was confirmed of that fact when he saw the drawing of the the man with the long hair carrying he, he, he a fish. Was, he was so. in the room when he got there. Yeah. He, he was in the room when he got there. All right. Okay. Now, back to yeah. the plot. Okay. Diana shows up because Steppenwolf has taken their mother box from Themyscira. Uh That's one of the oh, two well, action scenes. Thymoscira. That's Thank one of the you. two action scenes that actually still works, sort which, of. Which, which is definitely the new Wayne's being murdered. Does the movie have a flashback or a scene in Themyscira? Yes. Okay, good. Moving on. Yeah. So it also introduces the big bad, Steppenwolf. He never makes sense. So if you're hoping he does, he does not. He just says mother a lot, as we've mentioned. And uh, Imagine Mike Pence with a weird hat and a big axe. Yeah. Although he's got some hops, so he's definitely not Mike Pence. Because I'll put it on the Twitter, listeners. Uh, if you've ever seen Mike Pence running, he's jogging and clapping. He could not do what Steppenwolf does in this movie. <laughs> he doesn't have he doesn't have the agility. Fair point. Hey, you know what? Don't put that down on don't put that on our Twitter. Oh, that doesn't no. need to be on it's our Twitter. It's very funny. It's very funny. Uh, he mutters basically what Steppenwolf does throughout the movie is he utters the the odd platitudes about whatever he's doing, and it doesn't ever really make sense. And his face also looks really weird, like Superman and Batman. Well, if I if I can just point out like the central thing that makes Steppenwolf suck in this movie, and the and the, the fundamental issue is that he was never meant to be the big bad. He was meant to be a mini boss who they fight on their way to Darkseid, and this was all supposed to kind of like lead to that. And then when they decided that they were going to change course and fuck Darkseid and we're going to do Legion of Doom instead and we're going to like go in a different direction, suddenly Steppenwolf becomes meaningless. But he's the only villain that Snyder has filmed and therefore we got to stick with this Steppenwolf thing. Yeah. But, you know, again, he's supposed to be the vanguard of an alien invasion. 
And then they decided there's no alien invasion. So now Steppenwolf is just utterly pointless. And therefore, there's nothing he even can say to be relevant. Because, you know, his main plot that he's building to, they're no longer going to show us. So he was rendered, he was neutered right there. My only my only argument there is it worked for Loki. Mm-hmm. Right, Loki was the vanguard of Thanos. Thanos doesn't but show up for another. They didn't that. reshoot the whole movie and then cut Thanos out. So that's like the point. Like they didn't be like, oh shit, Avengers are gonna tank. Forget about Thanos. Let's create something else, and then Loki's meaningless. Like that's so, so... you know the the big comparison point. If you t- if if Thanos is never a big threat then what the hell was Loki doing? Like, who's he working for? What's he up to? That, and not to mention, sense. nobody knows who the hell Steppenwolf is. He's not yeah. like a villain who people outside of the hardcore fan base even know. That's so a good like, how are you going to yes. motivate fans to go, oh, I got to see the Justice League fight. Checks notes. Who? What, who is this goat man with the horns? What? You know what well, I mean? So, like, don't you remember his superpowers action figure? He, he, he was a mailway figure and he, he had a goatee and he had the big axe with a little hose connected to it. No, uh, no, nobody liked that figure. No, but I think just I think that's an excellent point because the Avengers movie gave us Loki as the key uh, antagonist, right? Yeah. And now, granted, Loki is not like a huge Marvel villain that most people would recognize. He's like very specific to Thor. For yeah, the at most least he part. was in the Thor movie. He was in the he Thor movie, so we've twice. already seen him, right? And and Tom Hiddleston is fucking awesome. He is so great. It, it was a, it was a well played role, and people understood his place in the universe. So they got away using like a second tier villain to be the herald of the much larger villain in the background that we didn't even know who was at the time. We weren't a hundred percent sure. It was still ambiguous then. So they got away with it because they'd laid the groundwork. And now I'm not going to bash the Snyderverse on this, but yeah, I think that hurts because if you'd had a Snyderverse where there was more groundwork laid for Steppenwolf to be the bringer of a larger invasion to be the herald for a bigger bad, it might have made more sense. But yeah, in this instance, it just felt like, okay, who's this guy and why do I care? This this was the studio's first mistake. The the theatrical cut of BVS is, I haven't ever watched it again since the theater. It cuts out a lot. It, not only does it reorganize the movie in a, a much more nonsensical way, but it cuts out the basically like somebody's coming like you get the bell has been rung it makes no sense in the theatrical cut what bell who they cut they released that scene a week after the movie came out with him with the three mother boxes they screwed up a lot of the the wounds it's death by a thousand cuts they did this to themselves like yeah i get it people don't like the tone but a lot of the shit that came after they did totally to themselves with, with cutting out the 30 minutes of that movie and making it a lot less uh, cohesive uh, and sensical than it, w- it ultimately was. But it almost <laughs> makes you think that they already knew they were done with Dark Side by that point. Sorry, go, go ahead, Ms. Mayor Mc, uh, McCheese. Well, I mean, this is the question I had, because I'm John Q. Everyman. I'm not the huge comic book nerd, but I, I text you guys, because this is the second time I've watched the movie since its release. And there is a scene where Steppenwolf says all for dark side and i was like does dark side show up i can't remember yeah and i was like i don't remember what he looks like and then both of you were like no he doesn't show up at all and i was and, like uh, oh that fucking sucks <laughs> from 
you know, Zach was talking about this the other the other day. At, uh, he did the fan fest for IGN, and their relationship is meant to be very complicated. And leaving in that line was the easiest way to to say like, yes, Dark Side exists, but we're like, don't worry about that. We're not going to him because this is the guy here. Yeah, like I mean, I know enough about comic books to know that Dark Side's a big deal, and I figured when you mentioned that, I think it's like. Somewhere in like the 30 to 40 minute mark, because I watched the movie in two halves a day and it was earlier in the day when I texted you guys about it. They don't mention it if you're not going to drag him into the movie, save it for the last 15, 20 and then launch that into the sequel. Like, don't start talking about Darkseid less than halfway in and then not at least bring well, him up yeah. other than the end credit scene. And that's the thing. Their, their whole pitch for eventually what becomes the Legion of the Doom is just as is even more truncated than their than than Zach building what he was building, which actually, if they didn't cut out the thirty minutes, makes sense. And the the only thing, and I'll circle back here for a second, as John Q. Everyman, the only thing that Steppenwolf has to offer in this movie is uh, his constant talk about the mother box and his murder boner for Diana. That's all we get. <laughs> it's his constant "she's mine," and I'm like, we got it. You really want to kill Wonder Woman? Yeah. He, he definitely does. Yeah, I, I just wanted to just again, we're at that we're we're at that place with Steppenwolf because his entire purpose for existing was taken away. So you're just left with this feckless, neutered, vanilla villain, and it's just like all you know, chinned villain. It is what it is. It is what it is. You know, as soon as they cut that dark side, Steppenwolf became pointless. Yeah, I just want to get one of these in. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Doom. <laughs> okay. Uh, hey, ho hold on. We, we, hold on. <clears throat> Thunder Wizard, I'm sorry. Uncle Chumpzilla is going to take a little break here to ask a question. Because um, after seeing Wonder Woman 84, I was really questioning what exactly Wonder Woman's powers were. But then rewatching Justice League, or sorry, the Jostash League, I realized... I should have been asking that question after this movie because in that opening scene that we get introduced to her, she's got flash powers. Like, do, do we have a well, good no, feel for no, what Wonder fast. Woman can do? She's fast. She's not flash. Wonder Woman is fast. She's actually as strong or as fast as the plot requires. Yeah. <laughs> rocks, move on. I, I'm fine. I'm fine go. with it. Okay, so is that is that fair? Is that fair play? Okay. She's, she's kind of like, like she Captain did America. that. Wonder Captain Woman. America. So, yeah, okay. You know what? That's yeah. you know what? I can't even argue with that. Captain America is. As indestructible as the plot requires. Yeah. Fair hey, enough. He yep. can, <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, Captain yeah, America mind. can have hey. trouble with George St. Pierre or he can defeat Thanos. Like so mm -hmm. but she does that Wonder Woman, so that was that track for me. Like she does okay, that, that whole scene okay. where right. you know she's throwing bows. So now I'll use the word truncated a lot because that's where this movie begins to go. Lots of plotting, uh, lots of storytelling, a history lesson. Uh, so much seems to be left off the table from this point in the movie on. Bruce goes to find Barry Allen. That's where I think the most egregious use of the ADR and the face swapping occurs. Again, why? Although Bruce is rich, which is awesome, and the Flash is a snack hole, which I also think is pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, Diana goes and meets with Victor Stone. He's depressed because his sweatsuits don't fit anymore. That sucks. Uh, they all meet with no, Commissioner no, no, no. Gordon. They, they do mostly fit. You yeah, got a whole yeah. new robot body, and it's not. Wait, wait, to, wait to kill the joke. Wait, wait to kill it. But they do fit. <laughs> I mean, they're they're not as snug as you think they'd be. 
but, but, but why why is Cyborg so pissy? I I I, I think because that's, his that's mother lost died. What cut, do you mean? He's a he's a half but he robot. Doesn't talk about, he, doesn't, he doesn't talk about his mom. He talks about being a robot. Like he's well. well how would you feel if you yeah. basically were? You're all that's left is your head, your shoulder, and your arm, and the rest of you is a robot. My my question is like, why is he so upset? Because his father saved him from being dead so it's like well you're either dead or you're a cyborg he's like well i wish i was dead is well, that is that what he's, he's I, frankenstein's again, again. monster dude like why well, is frankenstein's monster upset that frankenstein created him because <laughs> why did you give me life when i never asked for it that's and now that's I'm... all of our situations <laughs> you, yeah, you don't have to be yes, a cyborg but... to ask that question no but yeah, so yes it's but... relatable you just answered the question you're it's not a good arc he is not what he used to be he's the shell of himself uh, like it's a pretty self-explanatory thing I... and his sweatsuits fly. don't I... fit this is like trying to say that hector hammond and and hal jordan were cursed with the same gifts you're mad about the you're mad about the sweatsuits because you're a sweatsuit gentleman. Well, I gotta tell you, you gotta it's a comfort it's cruise. Suit Cyborg gentleman. is not Hector Hammond. He's Hal Jordan. Like he did not get the short end of the stick. He got to live and be a superhero. Like I don't no. quite understand his angst. When it comes right, to this, the arcs, he got the short end of the stick. There's so, still at least two hours of movie. Let's go. No, not even close. Oh. We're already most way through this. So they meet with Commissioner Gordon. And his toupee atop uh, Gotham PD. There's which scientists why? missing. One of them is uh, Silas Stone, which is Cyborg's father. Uh, he also helped build the Terminators because he just can't stop creating killing machines. Miles Dyson. <laughs> Miles Dyson is going to Miles Dyson in every scenario. That's that's the one constant of the multiverse. Welcome back to the pod, Miles Dyson. What was the last movie he was in? Uh, the Blues Brothers 2000. Blues so. Brothers. Oh, yeah, he's the Boy. lead. So, not, the non-Blues Brothers lead. Not his worst movie, Justice League. <laughs> so he's okay. Uh, well, no, no. Well, listen, I like Blues Brothers 2000, and even I recognize that's a far inferior film to this. <sighs> it's a pod requirement at this point, big man. Big music. Big music. Moving Big on. Music. So again, I mean, could we ask the question: Would this movie be better if Jim Belushi was Batman? No. I mean, it's the but question. It would be better if Jim Belushi was flopped. <laughs> what about Steppenwolf? I'd rather see a Jim Belushi Steppenwolf. No, I, I mean, as much as I don't want to see it happen. Stop! 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 No, 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 if it was Belushi, is very funny, but with Gal Gadot's stunt double, not so much. <laughs> I liked it better when it was uh, Mark Ruffalo and Scarlett Johansson, but whatever. No, it sucked both times. Aquaman saves the day, revealing uh, the Atlantean mother box has also been stolen. I skipped that scene because, holy shit, is it a mess. Uh, the tunnel fight mostly still works. The Atlantean scene is a hot mess. It is. Uh, Steppenwolf swims through two guys and they're just dead, even though they were alive two seconds ago. It's a mess. He literally just walks in, takes it, and nopes it out of there. 
And it, which and it, he did uh, in Themyscira too. No, no, he, he fights. He fights. Um, he fights he them, the but... chase horses in Themyscira. Yeah, there were no seahorse chases in. Oh man, could you imagine a seahorse chase though? That yeah, would they fucked that up hardcore. We've all seen the uh, the small clip that was going around on social of Steppenwolf at Themyscira with all the arrows in him, really kicking some ass. And even that, to me, was better than what we got. So I'm also excited for that. Uh, from here, it's clear that the Justice League cannot win without Hippo Man. I mean, Superman. Who they decide to resurrect using the power of the lone remaining Mother Box. Uh, they do resurrect him. I actually love this scene. Um, and this goes to Mario's point. A lot of the stuff they do with Superman, I like. Um, Elfman's score here, though, I must say, is abysmal. It's terrible. terrible. How the fuck do they decide that, you know what, the mother box should probably just make him alive again? Well, they explain that it does in much the movie. detail. <laughs> the movie. Uh, you know, you know what I will say about this scene, I personally don't like it, okay? But I do appreciate the way Zack Snyder has leaned into the sci-fi nature of Superman. Like, he definitely leaned into, hey, this guy's an alien. He comes from a different world. There's a whole different set of circumstances that he's involved in that don't just involve Earth and Smallville. I get that. He is, he is effectively a sci-fi character, although that's not the way I tend to think of him, but he is. So to his credit, this is a very sci-fi scene, and it fits that aspect of the character. Yes, um, I like this scene a lot. I don't like the Elfman portion. Um, it, it Using the Williams score there just screamed to me, yes, this movie has no identity. It yeah, has no personality cheap, right? of its own. We're just going to go for cheap pops because, well, screw it. Like We, we don't know what else to do. Um, My read on this was, hey, the last time we tried to do like a, ran- a wildly different thing, most people hated it. Yeah. So but, here's a little uh, jingle so that you remember, oh, wait, no, this is what Superman is. You may not like Man of Steel and BVS, but the universal thing that people appreciate about those movies is the majesty of Hans Zimmer's music. And to not use it once throughout this... Yeah, go ahead and laugh. You can't. You could name a score you like. I'm I'm laughing at Captain Cash. The the Man of Steel score is fantastic. To not use it and to and to barely use the Wonder Woman thing that everybody friggin' loved. God, there's electric violence. It's criminal. It's egregious. It's criminal. So here's the my issue with using the traditional Superman theme in that scene is that. That would normally be a triumphant return, but that's not what they're giving us. We don't get that Superman in this scene. We we, we get angry zombie Superman for like you know ten minutes. So I think that's a waste. That's a wasted use of that uh, theme. Because if they wanted that to be a triumphant callback, it doesn't fit. I agree with you hundred percent. No, it doesn't. It it feels totally out of place. And then he celebrates his own Batman score later, which I like. But again, it's like, what are we doing here? so Call this, backs. to me, after Call Steppenwolf backs. gets the third mother box, the movie totally falls apart. The ending, from what I understand, is entirely reshot, and that's because there was supposed to be a dark side stinger, and that is nowhere to be seen. So there's lots of awful jokes, some spectacularly bad CGI, tons of awful ADR. And a Russian family. It's a nightmare. 
almost none of it works for me, especially like the flash running through the bugs, which happens so quickly. And then immediately he like falls off the wall running. Uh, you got Superman assisting Cyborg with scoring the unity, even though he's just done something, which is great because it's like he's saving people. But then he comes back and is, does something really heroic by punching Steppenwolf. And then he immediately jets over here. I, I mean, that's that's Superman. He can do. He's everywhere at once. Yes, yeah, but the, yeah. the editing had to be it, it's a choppy. lot. It's super choppy. Better. Uh, and, and honestly, you know, my big knock on this final scene, all the logistics and the the cuts and stuff aside, it just feels super rushed. Like Superman shows up and basically stomps Steppenwolf's guts out, and, and the movie ends. And it's like, like that. That was it. So basically, you just had to get Superman back, and he pretty much does it all by himself. Well, none of it makes a whole lot of sense because he shows up, immediately leaves. Even though if they just stop what's happening, like he wouldn't have to leave to save the civilians, anyways. Like it'd be fine. Like he could just separate the boxes, which took like three and a half seconds, anyways. It's just all like it's such a mess, and then. Steppenwolf's conquered by fear, and he gets carried off by his own parademons. Happy, happy, joy, joy. To Chumzilla's point, Batman could have just bought the farm, but apparently he does drink a lot in BBS, so maybe he was drunk and didn't know she lost the farm, so he yeah. buys the I bank, mean, been, makes a mistake in the transaction, buys yeah, the sure. bank. And then we get a couple of really cool teases. I love the Superman Flash race. I love the Lex Luthor and... Um, Deathstroke. Deathstroke tease. The Terminator. But, you know, none of them wound up meaning anything. And, you know, even that scene has Whedon in it somehow. You know about that? That they, is, Snyder is the one who shot that sequence. However, Whedon, in September of that year, with, with less than two months until the movie would come out, he got Jesse Eisenberg back, got him in front of a green screen. I think he even got him to shave his head somehow. Just so he could add in that line, don't you think we should have a league of our own? Yeah, That's a great um, line. And when you watch the scene, though, you'll notice that's the one scene where the background behind him is like blurry and a little different than all the rest of the shots of Lex. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. As much as I hate that Lex Luthor, I would have loved to see him that Deathstroke. Yeah, and Joe Manganiello I, rules. Nothing I but mean, love for that gentleman. I, I, yeah, I, I would love to see a big towering figure play that role. That would be cool. And he'd be a great guy for it. Before we get to that stuff, because I do want to know what we love about this and what we hate about it. and We'll just go the good, the bad, and the ugly. And how many beers are required to sit through Justice League? Now, I, I obviously mentioned a lot of the bad because I, most of the plot I thought was bad. But we'll start again with our guest, Mario. Good, the bad, and the ugly. How many beers are required to watch the theatrical cut of Justice League? All right. So the good, I would say the good are the little character moments throughout the movie. I do feel like everyone does, believe it or not, get a chance to shine. I think about Aquaman sitting on the lasso of truth. I think about some of the cool stuff Flash got to do. I think about practically every Superman scene. He's got dialogue I like, even when he has a face I can't look at. But I feel like, you know, it, 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 to me, it was still pretty cool to see all these heroes 
coming together for the first time. And even with all the cynicism around this movie, I do remember being in theaters being like, it's pretty cool to see them all together doing a thing, though. Listen, I wish it was more grand and majestic and memorable and that the plot was had much more you know, going for it. But at the end of the day, I am still seeing the Justice League kick some ass together. And uh, so, so to me, that is still the good. Uh, the bad? The bad is you had a villain that served no purpose really whatsoever and uh, an entire basically plot that's, that hinges on a villain that no one's invested in. So therefore, the stakes are never really there. I'm never worried about our heroes. I'm never necessarily riding high on when they're riding high or feeling down when they're feeling down because I don't care about what they're doing. Yeah, they're, they're villain. I'm not invested in what he brings to the table. And the ugly is uh, Henry's face. <laughs> that's, that's it. It uh, is the ugliest the ugly. of the ugly. Uh, McCheese. Um, I would say it's a two to three beer movie. I'm I'm on the lower scale because I'm not as invested. I've only you know again I saw it I saw it when it came out because you talked me into it and I just watched it today so we could do the pod. It's not bad. It's not a terrible movie. There's definitely glaring problems, but as someone who's only viewed it twice, they're easily passoverable, if you will. Um, the, yeah, the mustache is the most egregious thing. There are moments that are enjoyable, and there are moments that are like, what the fuck are we doing here? But you know, if we're going with rankings, I'd say you know, two to three beers. It's on the same, you know, we've, we've been discussing it for the last couple of days. It's it's close to being on the same level as Green Lantern, but it shouldn't have been. It should have been, it sh you know, if they did it right, it should have been on the same level as like the Marvel arc. Yeah, no, for sure. I it, This is the, it's the biggest team up DC had. And just delay the movie. If you want to change course, delay the movie. Captain Cash. For good, I'm going to touch on a little bit of what Mayor McCheese said. I'm going to touch a little bit on what Mario said. Um, I, I love the banter. I absolutely love Aquaman sitting on the lasso. That that <laughs> for That's the first time they let Aquaman do something other than, Woo, my man! <laughs> and it lets Aquaman be a thing, and it, it's really, really funny. Um, but other good... I love the Green Lantern cameo in the flashback, especially when the Green Lantern dies and you you see the ring flash back and forth and then fly away to go find the next Green Lantern. I thought that was great as someone who really likes Green Lantern. Um, the bad, yeah, man, Steppenwolf's whole thing is bad. Whole thing is bad. It, his look is bad. All the dialogue he gives doesn't make any sense he has one line where you're like oh man this is a bad dude which is when he talks to wonder woman and says the blood of my axe is still slick or so what is it my axe is still slick with the blood of your sisters I'm like wow that's that's a line this is a bad dude he gotta go but other than that he's basically a non-presence and then the ugly ultimately is the expectation Right. Like if this was if this was at the level of Green Lantern 2011, like we talked about last week, this was just some random cast off. You know, here's a random superhero or a random team of superheroes you've never heard before. And we spent, you know, 100 million dollars on it. You'd be like, oh, hey, 
this is pretty decent. I'd probably watch more of that. But this is Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Aquaman, The Flash. Uh, this should be amazing. And the ugly is the expectation of, I wanted more out of this than what you gave me. Yeah, no, I think that's the, the truest way to think about it is this was supposed to be a huge deal and it feels like a very run-of-the-mill average comic book movie not befitting of the characters that are in it. How I many mean, beers? How many beers? Oh, how many yeah. beers? Yeah, I was like, so how many beers? Honestly, three. Uh, the first time I saw this movie, I saw it for free because I have an in with some local comic shop guys. New Dimension Comics. And I was and I had three beers then. And I was like, yeah, it's not bad. And last night when I watched this movie, I had three beers. I'm like, yeah, 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 fine. So three beers. Not great, not terrible. It's a movie. Chumpzilla. Okay, I'll give it four beers. Mainly because of the length. But the good, in my opinion, I did enjoy Aquaman in this movie. I thought he was probably the most authentically portrayed character. And also, his character carries through to his own solo movie afterwards. So I feel like that was nice that he stayed consistent, which includes that lasso scene, which was pretty good. Uh, and I also really enjoyed that like Superman Flash moment where Superman like side eyes the Flash as he's charging him in the fight. That was pretty cool. Like I don't care if that's Joss Whedon or if that was Zack Snyder. That was cool. That was neat to see. Because, again, when you've got a movie with these characters in it together, the coolest thing is the way that they interact with each other. And that was a really cool interaction. Anyway, so the bad, it's the weak villain. Yeah, Steppenwolf was kind of lame. Like, he just, he didn't feel like he was evil enough to need the entire Justice League, all six of them, minus the seventh Green Lantern. And the ugly for me is what they did to Wonder Woman. Because she just didn't get a whole lot to do in this movie except deliver some exposition and some like you know vague dialogue like she's a really cool character it was nice that i guess that was joss whedon that gave her that opening scene in that museum bank whatever explosion thing that's mostly zach until the end until um, the end okay so fair enough yeah. so that was all she got in the movie other than generic like uh i guess parademon murder like I, they I, should have done more with her because she is clearly the biggest star outside of Cavill at this point. Like, no offense to Batfleck, but well, come he's on. just you know he had one foot out the door, so he was the elder statesman. So really, yes, they were supposed to be the anchors. Yeah, they, they could have done more with her, and that's shameful because Gal Gadot is a fantastic Wonder Woman. She's not the greatest actress, don't get me wrong, but she's got she's got the physical presence down. They could have used her better. And frankly, after seeing Wonder Woman 84, Patty Jenkins could have used her better, but moving on. I think they do give her a good arc though. They set up the idea that, you know, hey, you know, Superman was this beacon, he was this big thing. Why aren't you? You basically have no excuse not to be Superwoman in your own right. And at the very uh, end, she yeah, does well, she, see the she, change she hasn't had that explained and accepts the mantle of, you know what, maybe I do need to get more involved. Well, that's the biggest problem with her character is that she's apparently been hidden this entire time, except for World War I and, and the 80s. But whatever. I mean, they retconned that, essentially. 
Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, they retconned it and then created a movie that but, was so uh, underwhelming. But it's within like, the great. context of this film, Wonder Woman has an arc, Batman has an arc, Superman mostly does like he's he's alive and oh he's gonna do superman stuff now for real but they those two have the most complete arc and and i suppose a flash does as well i mean i i think that's notable i think in a movie that was mary shelley's justice league as mayor mccheese put it uh in a movie that was mary shelley's justice league the fact that each hero has an arc that you can actually identify and that the beginning, the, the movie actually has a beginning, middle and end and it's its own internal logic. Like, listen, it was bland and forgettable and there were things that sucked about it. But like the fact that like it was a complete movie is a miracle. And I feel like that, you know, when no one wants to give credit where credit's due there because, you know, everyone's so upset about, you know, the circumstances, but what what they were able to accomplish in just like a couple of months of six rush, months, it's Jesus. insane! It's insane yeah. that this movie plays at all. That, that that I could sit on the couch and watch this with my wife and kids, and they have no idea that there was drama, and to them they just saw a superhero movie, and they're like, "I'm the one who have would have to let them know of what ha- actually happened." That's a miracle that it, they actually pulled it off. I just needed to put that out there. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's that's true cuz I think the good of the movie is that my my kids do like it. I mean, they're young. They like almost I mean, anything uh, I show. Them there you go. They like it. The bad for me is the quote that came from this Vanity Fair article uh, about Zach coming back, which was when we got to see what Joss actually did, it was stupefying, says a studio executive who requested anonymity. <laughs> the robber on the rooftop, so goofy and awful. The Russian family, so useless and pointless. Everyone knew it. It was so awkward because nobody wanted to admit what a piece of shit it was. And it's like, guys, you had the power to at least delay the movie to not only, you know, not embarrass the cast, not embarrass the new director. Like, you, it's some, there's, artistic integrity is important, not only for Zach, but for this guy too. But that's the ugly to me is the way they treated Zach. So I'll never get over it. How you know you talked yeah. about it with Bill? They paraded him out there. Yeah. They, they, they basically. Oh well, he had to, but they were canning mm. the poor guy, and he was going through this horrible shit. And, and they used a real tragedy as a way to kind of get him out the door, as a way to publicly cover for the fact that they were stealing his movie from him. It's terrible. And it's and a that, gross story. And that to me, like, even though there's things I can enjoy about this movie, and I think it's just an yeah. average movie. It's fine. I don't need to drink any beers to watch. I've seen it more times than probably any movie because I constantly <laughs> rewatch it, whether it's with my kids or just like, why why they do this or why they do that, you know. But it's like it's like a three beer movie. It's a light movie. Yeah. It's just not particularly good, and I wanted it to be a lot better than it was. And I also yeah. wanted the you know the sequel that I thought I was getting, and yeah. even. The first time I, I left that there, I swore, like, oh, well, I'm sure there's some deleted scenes that we'll get. Oh, you know, there'll be something out there. Just, yeah. like, just like BVS. There's probably like 30 minutes of footage out there. And that goes to what I was saying at the beginning, which is kind of the uncomfortable truth here. Yeah. Is that people went to that movie 
thinking it was Snyder's movie. Yeah. So heading into opening weekend, the world looked at this as Zack Snyder's movie. And look how few people showed up. Yeah. That's the thing. I know we want to hang it on this movie because of the ugly controversy, because of all of the ugly stories here. We want to we want to flog this damn movie. But at the end of the day, people just weren't interested. They, like something happened where BVS and Suicide Squad, somewhere in there, people just like kind of said, screw it. They loved Wonder Woman. But the fact that this was related to BVS, people said, even though this is the first Justice League movie, even though this should be a big deal, I'm going to pass on this. Yeah. You know, and nobody knew about the reshoots then. Nobody was the, you know, that, that was not the official word. Even as you say, you went into it kind of thinking this is, you know, this is Snyder's movie. And you start thinking about the sequel, you know, and maybe there are some extra scenes. But like nobody really knew that yet, you yeah. know. So that's why you can't hang that poor opening on on what they did to the movie. Nobody knew that yet, you know. Yeah. I'll just say this, Mario. Like you make a good point. Like I think that one of the biggest failures of BVS that Snyder failed to build hype for his universe. And like there are still people that are big fans of his. Don't get me wrong, but he did not get that general comic audience that Marvel has captured. Mm -hmm. And and so this movie was probably destined to underperform as a result, regardless of who helmed it ultimately mm -hmm. so yeah that that's disappointing but i think what we found out in hindsight and you'll probably agree here is that well you know what this milk toast kind of middle of the road zach whedon or zach whedon josh yeah. whedon bullshit okay this is this is worse than what we could have gotten from the snyder cut so yes let's see the snyder cut so it's a weird revisionist like history it's like it's not like everybody was screaming for the snyder cut from the get-go but after they saw this Jostash League, they're like, yeah, let's see the first version. So, I mean, it's a yeah. bittersweet victory. But to your point, it's not like this was being clamored for from the get-go. Yeah, I think I think my big takeaway as we go into the break is that in 2017, they deemed it unwatchable. And then they gathered the forces. Jim Lee apparently spearheaded this. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is great. Like, let's go. And it's like, well, what the hell happened? Like, it can't be, it couldn't be unwatchable at one point. And then like, yep, here's $70 million. Let's go. I'm sorry, Thunderous Wizard. You keep referring to Jim Lee here. Let's just be clear to the listeners that aren't familiar with comics. Jim Lee is just Rob Liefeld that can draw feet. That's that's not he, no. He, he, no. He's not he's not no. exactly a genius or a visionary. Yeah. Okay, so just to address what you said there. The studio did not change their mind. What happened was this Warner Max entity, the people who were responsible for HBO Max, the people who who became part of the family when AT&T bought Warner Media. 
Warner Max stepped in and said, well, we want to release the Snyder Cut. And they've never spent a cent on this. It's a separate entity. It's an all-new bank account. This is AT&T's pocket now. And they go, all right, we'll throw 70 million bucks. There's all this social media buzz. It'll be a great exclusive for our streamer. And we want our streamer to get a lot of attention because we got to compete with Disney+. Plus. So it's not that like the studio suddenly ha had an aha moment. It's that this other entity came in and said, hey, we, we, we would like to try and monetize this. And then Jim Lee, who loves the whole multiverse aspect of this, is like, sure, the more the merrier. And well, let's figure out a way to kind of tell all these different stories. But really, you know, that's 70 million bucks. That's not Warner Brothers who spent it. That's Warner Max. And again, that's the AT&T factor in all of this. You know, so that's yeah. just something to kind of factor in there. It's not that the studio suddenly realized or they had an about face on Snyder's movie. No, the studio still pretty much doesn't want this to come out. Warner Brothers is not with the, the Snyder cut, but Warner Max is. So it's like this weird, you know, dynamic. And as I understand it, Emmerich's been pretty actively trying to undermine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the reason why this is all going to be one four-hour movie instead of a miniseries, even though everyone pretty much assumes that if this were a miniseries, that would greatly increase its possibility of getting a sequel because it would build buzz. Like, you know how WandaVision, you know how these series, every, with the weekly release, they gain buzz and they gain in popularity. Zack Snyder's Justice League could have done that if it was in those six parts that, he, that, that, that they tweeted out today. But instead, it's one insanely long movie that, like non, like the casual viewers are not going to check it out. They might have said, "I'll watch episode one and give it a shot." Oh, this is four hours. I'm out. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. he, he handicapped the movie. And we'll, we're, we're going to talk about that uh, towards the end of our next section because I do, I do want to have prediction time. Ah. But uh, yeah, and it was even foreign rights and all that crap too, like where. They're like, well, we didn't negotiate them. And then it, they left it to Zach and these guys to do it, which is like nuts. Yeah. Like this poor guy has probably like been run ragged. He's edited two movies, mm -hmm. helped negotiate foreign rights deals. And I mean, kudos to him because he he cared enough. And if, maybe if they did, we wouldn't have got what we got. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got a couple lingering questions. Plus our something's definitely bleeding. <laughs> Theatrical Cut Trivia Challenge. Hey everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Welcome back to the 100th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment. And we have our special guest, Mario Francisco Robles from the Fanboy Podcast, and we are talking 2017's Josh Stash League, Justice League. Like, we're not all internet assholes. We're just kidding about that. But Jesus, the stash is bad. <laughs> so uh, we've got some lingering questions. These are quick-fire questions before we get into our quiz. Hey, can we all agree that the stash is perhaps a bigger villain than Steppenwolf? All in favor? Oh, for say sure. Yeah. Yep. I mean, at the yeah. Yep. Okay, so there yeah. we go. The stash bigger... is the villain. 
it's definitely a bigger crime against humanity to see that than <laughs> Steppenwolf. I mean, honestly, Steppenwolf kills very few actual humans. <laughs> He's not that bad a but guy. But that stash, though. Yeah. Well, there was that, that stash uh, ended a lot of dreams. There was that Henry Cavill Instagram post about how that stash was like this unstoppable force that had like had to be taken care of, and literally, I mean, it 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 did it, it, it crushed a lot of plans. And let's be honest, that was a sweet stash. That was a sweet stash. Yeah, that was. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to shave that either. He looked good. He Just looked good. to give him the stash. He's a handsome cat. We already saw him with a beard. He looked great. Just give him a so stash. Hashtag here, here, release the stash cut. That is the next most sought after cut after the butthole cut of Cats 2019. That's fair. I want the butthole cut first. Well, I mean... But let's be honest, though. I think if resurrected Superman had come back with the Cavill stash, I would have been fine with it. And I think Lois well, we would have been fine with it, too. Burt Reynolds would have sued, but everybody else would have been fine with it. Uh, quick fire questions. Are we surprised it's done on arrival? I think we know Mario's answer. Uh, no, really, because this uh, people didn't like BBS, aside from me. And, you know, a lot of people did like it, but the mainstream audience, maybe not so much. But if you want to elaborate, feel free. Nope. I, I think you said Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> I, I'm not surprised, but I was shocked because I really thought that WB would have put their all into making this work. But wow. based oh, I, on I, what we got on screen in the theatrical cut, no, yeah. I'm not shocked it didn't grow legs. And actually, if I'm being honest, at the time, I was shocked. At the time, I remember feeling, no matter what people thought of BVS, this is still the first Justice League movie. And we're still living in the golden age of superhero movies. People are going to show up for Justice League. I remember I, I even made a video at the time that I released that was like, why Justice League won't crack a billion. And that's like how quaint to think. Oh, a billion. Like I thought, you know, because people thought that's what it might do. And like, I, but even I thought like it, maybe it'll do like BVS number somewhere in the 800, maybe 900. And then when it opened to 93 million, I was pretty damn shocked i gotta be honest i couldn't believe people cared that little about the first ever justice league movie i had a pretty good indication it was going to do poorly when i got free tickets to see it in imax mm. and it was like a third full and then the movie happened which is gonna uh, i'll talk more about in our next question but i was like oh boy yeah this isn't gonna be good. Like even if, <laughs> even if it opened big, I was like, this may see a steeper drop, because I think word was gonna spread fast. Like, like Green Lantern. Well, if you like Zach's movie, it's not his movie, and if you like good movies, it's not really that either. So you're sort of in this weird content purgatory. It's okay, it's yeah. watchable, but it's not the Avengers. And it's certainly not a sequel to BBS. So, you know, but, I, I won't say this is like demonstrably worse than the Avengers movie. Like the first Avengers was not like a masterpiece of cinema, but it the plot worked well enough and the villain worked well enough and it worked. And, and Joss Whedon, you know, basically got one past us 
I would argue. And he tried to do it again with this, but he just didn't he just didn't pull it off. Yeah, and see, like kind of playing devil's advocate, I have a slightly different view on it, and I'll keep this brief. But you know, I honestly feel that if more people had shown up to this, they might have liked what they saw. Because as we've noted, it is fairly likable and kids liked it. And in general, there are places to go with this cut of the movie, including the Legion of Doom at the end. There's places to go for everybody if they felt like continuing on those threads. So the issue was not enough people showed up. And that's a shame because I feel like if a bigger audience had come on opening weekend and seen that movie, I actually think it could have gone somewhere. It's just a shame that interest in this movie was dead before anyone even saw it. That's my take. <laughs> I think that's a valid point. I just look at it from that different lens because I was the one mm-hmm. who really liked the other movie. Um, yeah. So I, I'm like, oh, like it just, yeah. But think if even with this, even you, I'm going to put you on the spot. Think about it. Even if, imagine if this movie was just as it was, but it managed to get enough success in the box office to merit a sequel so now we go into that legion of doom sequel with deathstroke and jesse eisenberg and like even though it's not the original dark side plan now we're on this new course yeah you know would you not be interested in that well uh, as you you know as i wrote for revenge of the mm-hmm. fans back in the day i was i was still in for what was happening. I was I was still mm-hmm. okay. I was still gung-ho as long as it was going somewhere. Yeah. And then, of course, it didn't. Where I started to get, like, a little peeved was the fact that they were like, well, we're going to do a new Batman, but he's on his own island. Because mm-hmm. we don't want a part of that. We don't want a part of that pie. No thank you. You know, and it, and it, and it became like, oh, shit. Like, it's so bad Anybody they sign is like, no, no, no. I'm doing my own thing. I don't want I don't want any piece of this anymore. And it's because, honestly, because of the way BVS was received, followed by Suicide Squad, I think 2016 turned a lot of people off, for better or worse. So when Matt Reeves came in in early 2017, he's like, fine, I'll make a Batman movie, but it can't be related to this stuff you're doing because the stuff you're doing is not clicking and I don't really want to be with that right now. You know what I mean? And this is before Wonder Woman came out. So this he, he's just basing it on, you know, a Man of Steel BVS Suicide Squad and he's like I don't know. <laughs> it's it's the tragedy of the DCEU is it's pretty profound like how badly yeah. it all was managed and and mm-hmm. everything that went down. Captain Cash, what do you think uh, were you shocked? That this flopped. Mm, yeah, a little bit. For the, for all the same reasons we've talked about. It, it's the Justice League. It should have made a billion dollars. Yeah, it should have at least made more than Suicide Squad. I mean, you know. McCheese? No, I'm in the same boat. I mean, it should have made more money, and it didn't. That's the long and the short of it. Yeah. I, I think we've covered our reactions to this. Like seeing it the first time, so uh, I think this is a good question because I'm I'm obviously the, the person on the pod who likes Zach's movies the most. Although Mario, you now are self-admitted, you've come around on Man of Steel. Man of Steel has won me over. Yeah. It's my favorite of his of his DC work. Uh, for, <laughs> that's damning wait, with me. Be- better than uh, Watchmen. <laughs> 
Yeah, Watchmen kind of it didn't do it for me. I was Whoa, Watchmen okay. kind of yeah. Because just for the record, I know like you know <clears throat> the Thunder Wizard likes to bash on all of us heathens, but I had Watchmen in my top five. Hey, I go. had it in my top I, five too. Uh, all right, well, I want I'm, this I'm question. Saying, I'm, I'm not a Zack Snyder hater. I love Watchmen. That's a that's a solid movie, and I like what he did with the ending. But anyway, yeah. moving on. Okay, so because BVS was my number three movie, Watchmen was I think my number four. But for discussion's sake, what of Zack's portion of this universe did you miss the most as you saw this movie? Whether it be sure. style, lines, whatever. Yeah. As I answer this. Let me crack open beer number four for me for tonight. Okay. So. Nailed it. Thank you. Um, Cheers. What a hops. Okay. So listen, the thing I missed the most was just sort of like the majesty of his visuals. Because say what you will about Snyder, everything looks like a painting. Everything looks gorgeous. Everything looks mythical and godlike. And he makes these characters look like, if you just look at the still frames, no one ever looks cooler than they look when Zack Snyder shoots them and costumes them and designs them. And that epic touch, that feeling of like this grandiose mythological storytelling that was obvious in Man of Steel and BVS was completely gone in Justice League. So that you know, so that style, that mythic scope of his, that was the thing I missed the most from Justice League. I miss his color grading. Jesus <laughs> Christ, those suits look like shit otherwise. <laughs> uh, yeah, visuals for me, for sure. Uh, I mean, Watchmen is one of the, the best-looking movies of all time still. The opening sequence of Watchmen oh, yeah. is insanely good. Yes. And nothing here felt like that epic or that, you know, like when even Lex Luthor sitting in his office in BVS and he's talking about a painting and then when he zooms in on it at the end of the movie, there's a feel to that. There's nothing like that here. And I missed, I missed that. So, you know, like the style, like, like him or not, or the, the decisions he makes, he can frame a shot. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, I'll, I'll go back to my opening comments about the, the intro to the movie. Um, I felt like Joss Whedon tried to ape his style from the, the intro scene, the credit scene from Watchmen. I want to see the Zack Snyder version of the opening of this movie. That's what I want to see, because I feel like he could give us that summary of the world's uh, loss and hopelessness in the, you know, in, in the absence of Superman in a much more profound and meaningful fashion than what we got from Joss Whedon. So here's one, like, what did we love about what Whedon did? Because I think he really nailed that. I, I could just start I, the scene where he talks about Clark being more human than him, mm. because this Batman is very clearly gone beyond a certain level of acceptable behavior, he doesn't feel like he belongs anymore. Clark's human. He's adjusted. He's, he's met a person he loves. He has a job. I love that scene. Martha. It's a very good scene. And it's like, you're a good writer. Why do you continuously throughout this movie offer up just crap? Well... Okay, hold on. There's two questions there, but there <laughs> are two two points you're pointing out. But yes, it's clear to me at this point in Joss Whedon's career, 
the way he was approached by WB, they like said, please come save our movie. And he's like, yes, yes, I am your savior. He was drunk on his own power. Okay, let's just be honest. Like, he's obviously a creep and he's awful to begin with. And he was only emboldened by the fact that they were so desperate for his help to work on this movie. But he is a decent dialogue writer. And I think he understands Superman as a character slightly better than Zack Snyder. So I do appreciate the stuff he gave Superman to say that made Superman seem like less of a prick. And I will say I really do enjoy the Jason Momoa Aquaman scene where he sits on the, the lasso of truth. That's funny. We can all agree that was funny. It might not have really fit in the tone of the movie, but it was a good scene, like, in a vacuum. It's funny until they show the rest of the cast in their woefully fitting suits, and it just looks bad. And it's like, god damn it, just focus the camera on him and not, not Ben Affleck not looking Josh like he wants to murder that, someone. That ben Affleck got fat. <laughs> <laughs> those, are, those, those are mutually exclusive. He wasn't, he wasn't fat. He just was not in... Batman fighting Batman shape, shape where he was, you know, 4% body fat, like all these nut jobs get into. And it just looks pain. Like the suits look terrible in his color grading. So when they go to those reshoots, it's like, gee, oh no, stop, please, please stop. Captain Cash. No, moving on. Oh, you <laughs> didn't like any of it. There's like... nothing we didn't did that you like? Yeah, that's good. Oh. Good to know. Well, you're such a Snyder fan. We should just go on to the next question. Uh, which is uh, what are we looking forward to the most when we get to see the film as it was originally intended can I go first sure that you'll stop talking (laughs) (laughs) or 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 on the on the other side of it it is if it's actually worse than this version that then I can text you that and then you will literally just disappear (laughs) you'll disappear from the universe for a solid six months and then you'll show back up and be like oh hey that was basically what happens when you get Mr. Mixelflick to say his name backwards (laughs) that's what what this is I I cannot be certain but I'm as close to certain as humanly possible that I will be more satisfied with what's coming than what we got that's I don't know I I can't can I play devil's advocate? Have you mentally prepared yourself for how you're going to react if the, the four-hour Snyder Cut is actually worse than this version of well, the Justice League? Now I have. I'm just going to snap <laughs> oh, no. myself out of existence for six months. You can't so. Thanos yourself away wait, wait, from Wait, hold this. on. That's crossing universes, bro. Well, why not? Oh, well. I, mean, I mean, I know which version your kids are going to want to watch, Thunderous yeah. Wizard. <laughs> I do show them this trailer all the time, and they friggin' love it. And my youngest son will always yell, Superman, Batman, Joker. All right. Well, I'll just answer because you guys just want to make fun of me. I'm, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to uh, the the first flight again. I want to see Superman get his moment yeah. to emerge from the ship with the proper score and fly again. In the black suit. Yes, in the black suit. That's what I want to yeah. see. So here, I'll just jump on top of this train and say the thing <laughs> I want to see the most is the expanded arc for Cyborg. 
because That's, I yeah, understand I that Ray Fisher got done the dirtiest, I think, of all the characters in the uh, the Justice stash cut. So I do want to see what Zack Snyder was trying to do with Ray Fisher because he's been the most vocal. So I feel like there's 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 probably a decent amount of screen time that he lost out on. Oh, a lot, I think. Um, all right, quick prediction. This is just for Mario because we're going to talk about this after the Snyder Cut as a pod. Do you think we're going to get a sequel or sequels on HBO Max? I think they'd be dumb if they don't do it. That's just me. I think they're dumb if they don't do Batman. So, well, I think they're only going to do it if the numbers justify it. They're only going to do it, and 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 to be clear on what that means is that's not just do people stream the damn thing, but do they also stay there? That's a very important factor. (laughs) Like I'm not able to. Okay, sorry. I'm listen. I've had four beers and I've got the giggles. So okay, there is an important fact in all this when it comes to the the, what 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 folks who want sequels need to understand if you sign up for hbo max watch the snyder cut and then cancel it immediately you're going to make sure this doesn't happen they want to know that you are a loyal customer base that they should be giving regular content to so if you want the snyder cut to actually happen you got to sign up for it and you got to keep the service for you know a few months at least to show them that you're worth the investment. But um, at this stage, my, my gut says there was a chance it was going to happen when it was a mini series. Had it built the kind of buzz that WandaVision and all these kinds of weekly episodic shows have been building. Um, but as a four hour movie that plans on being a continuation of BVS and ends on a cliffhanger that we don't know we're going to get satisfaction on. Um, I think it's a very, you know, it's a very slim chance, unfortunately. All right. Well, we four will address that question when we do the Snyder cut review show more, more along lines of what we generally do, but I do think it's a long shot, but I am hopeful. So we will see. Well, I, I think the key here is that this movie will get the audience that it deserves. Finally. People will get to see it. Well, no, but people get to see it, and the hype that it builds will determine its future. Captain Cash, don't Clearly. don't be an asshole because you don't yeah. like something. Other people like it. It's okay no, yeah. for you to disagree, but the reason this movie is happening is because people wanted it to happen and because of an unprecedented fan campaign yeah all right this and is huge this is going to happen and it's going to get the deserves. future that it deserves exactly because the amount of hype that this thing builds for itself that will determine its future so let's see what happens we'll check back when we hear about uh all the avengers fans raising five hundred thousand dollars for suicide prevention and awareness on captain cash's blatant disregard for Good people doing good things. Now, this is the Something's Definitely Bleeding trivia challenge. Gentlemen, this is a standard multiple choice format quiz. I have a few questions, mostly relating to this movie as well as unfortunate circumstances surrounding it. Uh, To chime in, please say booyah or my man or in your creepiest Mike Pence voice, mother is calling. (laughs) We will work in teams of two. 
Mario, you are with McCheese, and you will face off against Captain Cash and Chubzilla. Sorry, I'm really not good at trivia. Outstanding. I I do have a suspicion Mario was going to know a lot of these, so I had to like <laughs> oh, mix okay, it good. up a little bit. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm going to know zero of them. It's, you know, he and I, well, he did a lot more work than I did, but I followed all the work he did. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I was definitely in tune to everything that was happening with the Snyder Cut, and we both never thought... Uh, March 18th would ever happen. Yeah, it's so. insane. It's insane, but it's awesome So you guys. <laughs> number one, as debate raged whether the Snyder Cut existed, Zach himself posted a picture of the film reels. In this image, the runtime for his original working was this many minutes. Was it A, 214? Was it B, 180? Was it C, 204? Or was it D, 223? May I answer? Yes. And how, am I supposed to use some weird line? Mother, line is, mother is calling. <laughs> so is that the sound for A? That is the sound for A. That is correct. All it was right. 213 minutes. Yes. That's how you chime in. You chime in by saying mother is calling. And then oh, God. Okay. God. Which, uh, I'm going to shoot you. No, that's, no, that's off can't. tonight. No MacGruber jokes tonight. Oh, okay. Never we mind. already we already talked about this. Yeah, we uh. So it is one nothing. McCheese and Mario. It was two hundred and fourteen nice. minutes. And if you're an eagle-eyed fan, you will see the film reels in the vault in Army of the Dead. They're there. Number two. According to Ray Fisher, only one scene he appears in during the film wasn't reshot. Which of these is it? Is it A, him talking to his father Silas in the apartment for the first time? Is it B, his meeting with Diana? That's Wonder Woman on the street. Is it C, the rooftop meeting with Commissioner Gordon? Or is it D, the grave robber scene with the Flash? Which is super weird. Uh, I don't have my Colin option, so I, I am not. Just say Mother Box. You could say Mother Box. Hello, Hello, Mother. Hello, Mother. Uh, it's yes. A. It's, that's wrong. That is not right. Oh, dang it. And what were the other options again? So it's B, his meeting with Diana on the street. C, the rooftop meeting with Commissioner Gordon. Or D, the grave robber scene with the Flash. Big cheese, it's B. You, do it. you, can, you can still answer. I don't have to. <laughs> Just Booyah! B for booyah. Okay. That's not what I found. So maybe, no. maybe okay, this is no, wrong. I, I, I'm not sure. I... I honestly, I don't follow all like those little tiny little facts that Zach lets slip. Okay. All those little, I don't know. According right, to, I don't, I don't, I don't need the. Well, I it mean... was it was the rooftop scene with Toupee Gordon. Ah, uh, which really? okay. Which they do reshoot part of, but yeah, not okay. his part. I didn't think of that because uh, I feel like he doesn't even have a line in that scene. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. He, he so doesn't make a difference. That's how little of what they didn't yeah. reshoot with him. Um, yeah. yeah. By okay. the way, uh, J.K. Simmons, phenomenal bald guy. Why give him a toupee? I don't get it. I just don't. So you don't get confused with, with, with uh, J. Jonas Jameson, clearly. It's just not. Let's but not J. Jonas Jameson's not bald. So. <laughs> What's that? J. Jonas Jameson's not bald. He has a toupee oh, he, as he well. The He's got the crew cut. Yeah, yeah. He got the crew cut. <laughs> Let's not dwell on it. Let's do it. 
So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, whatever. It's, yeah, it's on. one to nothing, Mario and McCheese. Number three, how Ew. soon after November 17th, 2017, that was the release of Justice League, was the hashtag release the Snyder Cut a subsequent, and their movement born? Is it A, two weeks? Is it B, one week? Is it C, five days? Or is it D, two days? Hey, bat goggles, help me out here. Booyah, I think two days. It is two days. Yeah. Wow. And that is how quickly I started discovering these things. And then <laughs> that's how I discovered Mario, and the rest is history. And here I am on, a, yeah. on the 100th episode of your show. So two to nothing, McCheese and Mario. Number four, on what date did the cast of the film unite in support of Zack Snyder's vision potentially coming oh. to fruition? Is it A, March 25th, 2019? That would be the three-year anniversary of BVS. Is it March 1st, 2019, which is Zach's birthday? Is it November 17th, 2018, the one-year anniversary of this movie? Or is it November 17th, 2019, the two-year anniversary of this movie? My man. Oh, I got it in there first. Yeah, Mario got in there first. It's D. It is D. The two-year anniversary anniversary of this movie, which that was the date I I really thought, like, holy shit, this is happening. Yeah, that's when Ben and Gal Gadot finally threw their their names in the hat for Release the Snyder Cut. Just for internet purposes, my favorite Release the Snyder Cut moment was... It was a couple days before the movie's released, and Jason Momoa releases an Instagram and goes, what the fuck are you doing? Release the fucking Snyder Cut. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, it's happening now. It's good stuff. Yeah. Number five, it's 3 nothing, by the way. Number five. <laughs> but there's, on, there's, catch, there's, catch the cash. Help me out here, bro. There's What's bonus questions happening. So He has checked out by the goggles. <laughs> oh, yeah. the bat goggles are on. Folks. So we've got... We've got Three questions plus bonus points. Number five, this actor was the first to confirm what most fans already suspected, that this movie was not Snyder's Cut during an interview in 2017. Was it A? Yes, that is incorrect. Oh. Is it A Ben Affleck? Oh no! Is it that new Spider Man? He does everything like that. Tom Holland. Yeah. God damn it, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, it's Tom Holland. <laughs> yeah, Mark Ruffalo. So is it A Ben Affleck? Is it B Henry Cavill? Is it C Jason Momoa? Or is it D Syrian Hines? Syrian Hines, my man. That is correct. <laughs> At Ace Comic Con in 2017, he told photographer Jason the boy. That wasn't the movie I worked so hard on. We hope the director's cut comes out because it was better than the movie in the theaters. Because <laughs> when you're the wow. king of the free folk, you give zero fucks. <laughs> Apparently he was the only guy not under an NDA because <laughs> everyone else is like, can't talk about it. He's like, no, no, that's not what I did. This. <laughs> I didn't do that. So technically you guys can't win, but we have a couple of fun <laughs> questions. Oh. I'm used to that. Yeah, thanks for the reminder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number Born six. In the comics, the first Flash versus Superman race occurred. What issue did that occur in? Was it A, Action Comics, number 199? Was it B, Superman, number 199? Was it C, World's Finest, number 198? Or was it D, The Adventures of Superman, number 463? Oh, yeah, I believe it's C. 
That is incorrect. Dang. So the remaining answers are A, Action Comics, number 199, B, Superman, number 199, or D, Adventures of Superman, number 463. Booyah. Adventures of Superman 463. You're incorrect, and your team already missed. No! <laughs> Thank you for entertaining Captain Cash's inquiry. Perhaps there. you I would have seen that. that with your goggles. Well, ah! then just give it. The just goggles give us the obscure, obscure my vision, but they fight back the dust so, from the hellscape that give is. Give us the, the answer because me and Mario got it. It is either A, Action Comics number 199, or B, Superman number 199. Again, it's just me and Mario, so it doesn't yeah. matter. So just tell us the answer. It's, it's B, Superman, number 199. All right, cool. Next question. The bonus point was who won? Don't give a Flash. shit. Next question. <laughs> Incorrect, goggles. You've missed again. God damn it. Listen, the best part of all of those things is the comic where Flash looks at Superman and goes, Clark, those races were for charity. And then just flies away. Well, you're still wrong. It was a tie. And yeah, no, the, I don't care. And the double bonus was who leads <laughs> in the series of races. If you yelled flash this time, goggles, you would have been right. He leads two to one. And, <laughs> and there's two ties. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, in the comics, the creation of the Justice League led to the team eventually getting their own book, The Justice League of America... In what year did it debut? Was it A, 1960, B, 1963, C, 1967, or D, 1971? Yabba dabba do. All right, Goggles, it's you. A. You're correct. Now, if you weren't such a smarmy ass, you could have tied this game because it was only four to nothing and I had, <laughs> I had three bonus points. Because how much do you think a vintage copy of that comic is worth today? Closest answer gets it. Five hundred thousand dollars. I, I, I'm gonna guess. Uh, uh, I Two million. Say, I wouldn't say more than no. I wouldn't say more than seventy-five grand. McCheese. I'm writing. Uh, I'm writing Captain uh, Chumps Hill's ballpark. I would say fifty grand. You're correct. It is twenty-four thousand dollars. Oh, really? That's it. Price is right rules. At least, you know, this is by the point comics are so watered down that they've got a million different There's no comics going for $2 million. Well, Uh, Action Comics number one. Yeah, Yeah, that happened once. It's never going to happen again. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll hear from our buddies at the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast. And when we come back, we've just got recommendations. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Boss Ross. And I'm the J-Man, and we're the Double Turn Podcast. Every Friday, we bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in pro wrestling, or bringing you a look back to some of the best matches and moments in history. We have it all for you. So check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. Welcome back to the special 100th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wabam Entertainment with our special guest, Mario Francisco Robles from the Fanboy Podcast. And we are on to recommendations. Uh, Gentlemen, what do you have on tap for us this week? 
So my recommendation this week, and it's terribly on brand for me, of course, is Superman and Lois, because that just arrived uh, last week. And I'm obsessed with that show. I'm two episodes in so far, and it's like the most awesome Superman thing I've seen in a long time. Yeah, 100%. Uh, as a father of two sons, mm. Super- Superman's always relatable, but it's like this adds a whole new wrinkle to that for me. Yeah. Like the, the, the difficulties of navigating that. And it just it looks good. It's acted well. The special effects are great. Um, Tyler Hoechlin has really found himself and what Superman he wants to be. I, I like him a lot. I think it's all the best things of Superman all together. And I don't even like any of these, uh, those CW shows to me. It's like party city superheroes, but, uh, this show is like a whole other, it's head and shoulders above the rest. Yeah. And I watched the CW shows and I liked Arrow quite a bit. I never really got... I didn't watch Batwoman. I didn't get... I, I never gave... A, had a chance to watch a, some of the other stuff. But Arrow and Flash I liked. But there is that sense. Like, they don't have that feel that, that this Superman and Lois show has. That just... It could be a movie. Like, there's scenes mm-hmm. in this that look better than Justice League. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like holy shit like wow the budget has to be a fraction of of, a, of an actual motion picture that looks great mccheese what's your recommendation so if you like stand-up comedy which none of us have been able to see for the last year and some odd months um dan soder has a new album called son of a gary you can get on apple itunes uh and actually, you can get any of his albums on Apple iTunes. I would highly recommend it. If you don't know Dan Soder, he's the deep voice dude from uh, Billions. I don't really know if he's been much in anything else, but his stand-up is great. He also has like a co-partner he does a podcast with um, named Big J Okerson. Uh, you can find that stuff for free, or not for free, but on Apple iTunes with a subscription. And if you're kind of in the same age range as us, like 35 to 40, or you have the same kind of comedic tilt, uh, you know, kind of towards the more uh, raunchy. Uh, those guys are great. I would go seek those out. And they're, they're, it's a good listen, especially if you have a lot of time to kill, like in a car or on a subway, et cetera. Dan Soder and Big J Okerson. Go see him. Okay. Uh, Chumps L. Okay, just for brevity's sake, my recommendation this week is uh, go check out the Justice League of America TV pilot that was recorded sometime around 1997. It was never aired, as far as I can tell, or aired once and then not picked up. But yeah, so if you don't like this Justice League movie, this is an abuse of the DC characters. Uh, Slow your roll. Go back and watch this awful tv pilot from the late 90s it is uh it's something it's a weird artifact of wv excuse me wb slash dc's attempts to get their properties on the the big and small screen and uh yeah it is weird so it's on youtube like things so check it out that sounds like it could give you a virus youtube like things but yeah be careful Make, make good choices Choices uh, that work for you. Use protection. Uh, mm-hmm. Captain Cash, aside from the functionality of goggles, what do you recommend this week? I, I want to stress how much I I 
hate Goggles Batman. But <laughs> leaving that aside, go back and watch the Justice League and the Justice League Unlimited cartoons that were produced as part of the whole DC animated universe. It started with Batman, the animated series. You went on to Superman. You got World's Finest out of that. You had Batman Beyond. They eventually went to Static Shock, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. That's that's what this live-action stuff should have been aping and didn't. But really, there are some incredibly powerful storytelling arcs in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited that I don't understand how they didn't look at this and go, yeah, we're going to do that, with, but, but with people, not drawings. Yeah, no, I think uh, a lot of the DC animated universes is a must-watch. So, Especially Harley Quinn, which is available on HBO Max. So my recommendation is to release the Snyder Cut book as someone who tracked it pretty closely and, and was pretty distraught when this happened. It was a it's a trip down memory lane. I was more familiar with everything they, that that uh, Sean O'Connell from Cinema Blend talks about in the book, but it's worth taking a look into because even if you didn't like what Zach was doing, and there are people who obviously don't, there were people that did, and it's human stories about their reactions to something that sucked for them, and it sucked for me. And it's, it's, it's an interesting traipse down memory lane. So release the Snyder Cut, the book, very quick read. I'm almost done with it in four days. So, And plus the movie's coming out. And so you'll get a greater understanding of, holy shit, like the, the improbability of this happening was great. Like there was almost no way this was going to happen. And it did. And that's sort of a win for artistic integrity, but also just a loss for assholes because a lot of studio heads are assholes and that's a fact and I you know I don't know so that's my recommendation read it don't read it ask me about it I think there's a lot of good quotes in it but remember you can find the show on Facebook Twitter and Instagram at hops and bo flops you can find myself at writer tlk you can find goggles cash at captain cash on most social media and Chumpsilla can be found at Chumpsilla 8 on Twitter. McCheese can be found at HBOF McCheese on Twitter. Mario, you've been a gentleman and a scholar. I'm so glad you came on. It was a pleasure. Tell us one more time my where pleasure. they can find you and your podcast. You can find me at IDJ Weddings, my podcast, the Fanboy Podcast, available all over the place. And you can also watch it on YouTube. And I'm also actually releasing this week an int. Um, well, I have an interview with Sean O'Connell. That's different. The uh, author of the Release Designer Cut book. But I'm releasing an audio commentary for this theatrical cut of Justice League that I did with a buddy of mine, Brett, from the Revengers podcast. So if you want to hear me go more full geek on this movie, I have a whole audio commentary track on this movie that we just got drunk talking about tonight. Awesome. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, remember, you can leave the show a review on Apple Podcasts. That'd be great. Uh, be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And connect with us on social media. Share ideas for future episodes. By the way, I got a message the other day. Someone wants us to do Tin Cup. 
I'm not sure if it qualifies, but Tim, Ooh. Yeah. Oh, a little bit is later than that. Yeah. Unless you want the whole enchilada. I think we can make it work. So, in the end, listeners, remember, the world has grown dark. And while we have reasons to fear we have the strength not to, there are heroes among us to remind us that only from fear comes courage, that only from darkness can we truly feel the light. Yep. That part of the movie is super corny, but the message is nice. I wish it was handled better. We're going to see you next week for the third entry in our Hops and Heroic Flop series with the Fire Urine classic, Ghost Rider 2, Spirit of Vengeance. No, God damn it, that's me, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it's you. Ah, oh, I got to go watch that movie now. Nick Cage! I am pumped for Cage.